Ladies and gentlemen, may I present for your intellectual and philosophical pleasure Unfast on Raw Dog Product Comedy Hits Channel 99 Fed show and what science now tells us is a Thursday, I think October 50th, but I'm not sure. I haven't kept up. Uh, Michelle with one else sitting in with us today. How you doing, Michelle? Hi, buddy. You know, can I just tell you this? That's a that's a very nice shirt that you're wearing there, you know? Thank you. It was a Christmas gift. Very Greek Navy. Like if you decided to join the Greek Navy. Which I've been thinking about. Well, you should. You have to be careful, though. They do a lot of anal. Now, I'm going to... This is like a... I'm not a lamb. ...hospital ward in here today. Uh, Chris Stanley has an Ebola-style... Ebola. Yeah. Disease, yeah. which I'm furious that you came in with instead of going and getting your flu shot. Look, he looks clammy. Yeah, I know. Sweat. There's a little of sweat. Yeah. Okay. And, it's not even flop sweat. And Fez's heart is imploding... Um, we gotta get him home. We well, he's they. The, I talked with his physician, and for him to be checked out, you must be in the hospital, Fez. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, this will take me to the hospital. All right. Yeah. Well, if if your heart is having things, you should go to the hospital like immediately. And what let, are they gonna do? Well, the, let's see, he's, that just seems. The problem is, once you've had ten to twelve heart attacks, they don't bother you anymore. You know, they just become a thing, like a burp. Yeah, I mean, basically, his own chest is his Vietnam. You know what I mean? No. Well, Vietnam was a war that people fought in back in the 1960s were and early any 70s. children running down the streets? One very hot one, the napalm girl. She made the calendar. Yeah, well, she was in the fappening. Uh, before I get going, I've, we've got to pick a lucky winner out. Chris Stanley, since you have Ebola, uh, give me a number between one and nine. Two. Why? Very sick, too. If you cough, you get booth. What if it's a, a smoker cough, not a sick cough? I don't like either one. Mike in California, how are you? Hey, buddy. Mike, you are calling for the first of two prizes that we are giving out today. These, of course, for the on-demand Easter egg <laughs> contest. What is the phrase, the pace? Congo, Congo, bang, bang. Woo! Congratulations. You're another Ron and Fez Easter egg on demand winner. Who just said that? Was he here? No, no, no. That was recorded. Oh, okay. And I played see. it back. Uh, Mike in California wins. Now, that's the first winner. Uh, the prize, Chris, is what? That is uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, Jesus. Feels good. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> Signed by John Turturro. 
Wow. And coming up later in an hour? That that prize is Full Metal Jacket signed by Vincent D'Onofrio. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. Can I call in? Yeah. I'm going to call well, in, You have guys. to know the phrase. You have to go to On The Man. Right. Find the Easter egg. Did you ever do it? Well, the last three, but not today. Yes, Okay. Please. Well, you fucked up. I fucked up. Now yeah. I can't have that. Did you meet Mr. Vincent D'Onofrio when Did you were here? Did I sit here like a little kitten just yeah. hoping he'd pet me? Yes. Um... And did he pet he you? He didn't, but we no. did sh- share a couple chuckles. Yeah. Oh, Vincent. Fez, when you rub your chest like that, does it help you? Like, ah, uh, rub that heart attack out. It feels like I can. Like, if I just well, dig the heel of my into palm into now? it. Do you want to go to the hospital now, can Fez? We? No, I, I'm fine. For I can wait. The, here's what happens. They won't start his testing because it's not a heart attack. It's a tightening. And they won't start his his testing until how long that you've been in there. Oh, it's um, it'll take twenty four hours of tests, one every eight hours. So we, we if we start it now, then it's done in twenty four hours. That's what she's saying. Now he started bitching about his chest and taking nitro pills weeks ago. Right, I heard. I heard. Yeah, and this is why. And you know. I'm not blaming him, but this is why Chris and I are always frazzled, because we're like, like today I had to check like where the paddles are that you can restart a heart, and you know where we keep them? Where? The kitchen. That seems like... Yeah. I mean, except for the water. Well, I was in there the other day, and uh, Jeremy Coleman was making grilled cheese with the two paddles. (laughs) That's not what they're for. He actually did. He actually yelled like this. Clear. (laughs) I go keep it. Yeller. Yeah. Keep it down. Shh. Keep it down, Jeremy. It's not an old yeller. Oh, that was Dead. so sad, right? What did it have, rabies? Yes, they shot it I thought with it was, a shotgun. I didn't see the end of it. I was just oh, uh, Netflix shit. You and Phoebe, friends reference. Yeah. Why can't they give dogs rabies shots? They, they do. I mean, you, once they have rabies, if you a gotta person catch, go- you got to catch it in time, just like with a person, it can be fatal. But we here's what you don't understand: we've studied the human condition much more than we've studied the dog condition. When you go to a veterinarian, they're working on so many species at the same time they can't really focus. Most of the time, they go like this: "We're gonna put it down, no matter what you take it in for. Aww. We're just gonna put it down because we haven't studied the that species." Must be the saddest place to work. Or the happiest if you like fried foods. Mm. <laughs> you know, when I was a, a kid, me and my friends used to walk over to this vet's office, and they had a window, and you could look in there, and we would, every time, they'd put them on like a metal table, and Every time that they would give the dog a shot, mm-hmm. it would immediately piss. <laughs> and we would fucking crack up. And they would come out and just chase us away. Why? Why did they have, first of all, a little window so that you could watch it? Just Well, I the think window. they wanted to you know, have a little light for themselves. Oh. But when we would see that dog piss, it would, I mean, I'm talking about we were like, you know, eight or whatever. And anything pissing or shedding was just like the fucking greatest. It sounds like a great piss show that was going on there. Yeah, we we had Shakey's Pizza, which is just different. What was that the player piano? Yeah, they did. They had uh, a lot, but you could watch pizzas being made, and they Ooh. had a window for it. It was oh. it was the best thing when you're an eight year old girl. So that's what's different. Now, did the pizza piss? The pizza pissed in your mouth. Oh, that's nice. You always get the best food, Shakey's. <laughs> 
Do you know who's the spokesman for them now? No, who? Michael J. Fox. I don't oh, even... God. <laughs> no, because they're doing a Back to the Future thing. Oh. Sure, sure. Yeah. It's... Seems like it's a double header, that one. Oh, I get it. Well, you know. Humor. Humor. Um, Chris, if you do have Ebola, yeah. you'll be the first case of a radio Ebola in I mean, the country. I'll take that. And I think I can get over news. it, too. But they're going to have to nuke Dallas because it, they, everyone's freaking out there. That's where like the, the first case is. Do you have someone on the ground there that you've been talking to? No, but I, I've been reading I all Jerry Jones. <laughs> He's going back and forth with Jerry Jones. Some dude from Liberia just got, got into contact with like, kids and a bunch of other people. That's Libya, you oh. lunatic. Oh, Jesus. I got it mixed up. If I had a bowl, I'd try to lick as many people as I could. You gotta, you gotta contain it. You Poop. gotta contain it. Poop on people. Mm. That would be good for an eight-year-old boy. Sure. Do you hear the great story? Someone pooped on someone else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michelle, are you? Uh, I want to give these guys off tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. 100%. As well as well as I'm taking off, but Shelby will be here. All right, man. Shelby, Shelby I want you to. Clean out the desks, wash down the floor, uh, go through all the lockers. File some things. I'm doing some power washing, too. We have the equipment. I might as well use it. It's right next if, to the If Shelby takes house. a day off, it's just a sad day of him and a black and white TV. Oh, that's a heavy, heavy TV. Everything's in black and white for some reason. I don't know why. It's when a wife beat You her. need to get to Pleasantville, my friend. One of the things I'd like to put up on the screen... Uh, as you come into the lobby, is no one pays their producers less, so that everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, booth, motherfucker. Uh, You're booth. You're booth, and don't touch me on the way out. Dun, dun, get out! Dun, dun. Get, get out! Get all my stuff! God, is you're not gonna make him feel better when you scream at him. Get out! Oh come on! You're sick. Go have some orange juice. Oh God, he touched everything on the way. You can't catch what I have unless you keep eating a lot of cheese, everyone. Well, yours is hereditary anyway. You got it from your dad. It's, it makes him feel closer to his father every time he has a heart attack. Hey, your dad had like a metal heart after a while, right? Oh yeah, his was barely. It was like General Grievous in Star Wars. They uh, used to call his dad Tid Man. Aww. Did you, you have bet- oil on? Yeah. Oil can. Oil can. Oil can. Shelby, how do you like being back in the big room, or are you going to be furious and try to force your way back in there like you did last time? It's kind of virus Get me away from the action. Yeah, sit in the virus, Fuzz. Go ahead. Sit down <laughs> I, in the virus chair. I, I, I don't want you standing because of your chest. This chair That's is it. a Petri dish now. Petri. Uh, what was the Petri guy? I, I pronounce it Petri. Uh, turn off your fucking Ebola thing. You're out. <laughs> This is this is airtight. We're good. We're behind the glass. It's okay. There are a couple glasses. Good lord, this board. Everybody, excuse me. What was that, Fez? I'm sorry. This board is just a mess. In what way? Just not set up correctly. Why won't you fucking train him? I've asked you for seven years. He doesn't know what he's doing. I will get on the training again. Again? He's trained you before, Chris. No. And now, what was wrong with the board over there? It's not in tap. Michelle's mic was way to too low. If you're listening to what's going out over the air, it does. Tap and program sound exactly alike. 
You know what? You're going to end up just like Shelby. You're not coming back into this fucking room. No, I want to be in that room. You run a loose fucking board, dude. You run a loose board. I'm I'm glad fucking Fez ratted you out in front of the audience. I'm getting back in there. By hook or by crook. I could see where this show was going today, too. That's just going to be inside baseball and everybody's going to be talking over each other. I get that. I understand. This is why I want this thing shut down tomorrow. Can you handle it? Will you get in touch with Don for me? Will do. I uh, had dinner with Don the other night, and I don't want to. I don't want to really, you know, bring up too many things, but he claims that he had sex with you, and oh, that's weird. That is weird. Yeah. That is weird. You know what I said back to him? Believe me, I figured it. That's what I said. I always do that. I always act like I'm with the bros. Yeah. Before the... Hosts. Yeah. I always say bros before he- whores. Oh, you, you really pronounce that shit. You don't even like the, the headset now, Fizz? No, these are... No. It should be Sony's all around. These are really bad for radio. All right. Hicks, yeah. you bust it. You're fucking staying in there now. No, please. When I get healthy, please let me get back into the room. If you get, get healthy. Now, where are you off to, Shelby? going to grab him some of those high-value Sonys. Oh, all right. That's nice. That's a nice... No, you don't have to get back in. That's an inside baseball day. Um, let's see. What else we got to get on today? Oh, I think today is... Uh, that's oh, a big, big rock and roll star. I don't think I can say who it is yet, though. Really? Yeah. When are you gonna say it? I'm gonna say it right after you leave. Okay. The, the second you leave, because oh, you you gotta go by what time today? Uh, uh one twenty-five. That's exactly when our guest is coming in. No. Yeah. Maybe I can. Our rock star guest. <sighs> well, I don't want you in here making him nervous like you did, uh, D'Onofrio. He didn't seem nervous when I was touching him. You were sucking on his socks while he was trying to talk to me. The top of his socks. <sighs> That's the best part of the sock, in my opinion. You don't like the heel? It has the most juice. Did you just say juice? Because I will not put up with anti-Semitism. I always say this, never again. Because that's how it started. You know, that the Nazis used to call them... Sock suckers, or they call them sock cuckers. It's so socks on their clothes. Yeah, they were doing a whole. F- Chris, this is a, a, not a fucking Ebola thing. If you're in there, <laughs> yeah. you're under the Shelby rolls. We can see you. We don't want to hear you. Okay, you're the one who fucked up and got sick. If you get me sick, I'll have a hit put out on you. Did you see him just wipe his sweat off his face? Yeah, it was very, very. Yeah, it was very cartoony, wasn't it? <laughs> he needed a great big handkerchief, but we'll, we'll accept his hand. Yeah, I never saw him use a handkerchief. I've seen him sneeze into his underwear before, and he acts like that's a good thing. <laughs> he good says, he calls him two days fresh. Sick fuck. Inside out twice. Uh, later, Clocks is going to do his playoff report. Uh, big news up on the iBang Wire today. Um, Adam Sandler signed a deal with Netflix. 
and I believe he now gets monthly streaming. Now, what exactly is his deal, Shelby? He get he's got a four picture deal. Yeah, it's his uh, Happy Madison production company. So it'll probably be like guys like Nick Swartzen get. It won't be he it. himself. I, no, I doubt it. He's starring in all four of these, starring really? and producing. So guess who didn't fucking read it, right, Shelby? Yeah, Shelby. If you if you don't know the news, don't deliver it. You don't belong in this room, except for I put uh, Hicks in there. I put him in your turlet hole. Those poor interns. They need to get sick, though. They need to toughen up a little bit. And you better come in. Who's playing Dallas this week? And if if it's a home game, I would actually say uh, we we can't go and play. There's too much of Ebola. (laughs) That one guy. So... Fez, I'm going to ask you, since you seem to know everything. Now, he's going to start in these. Do these go directly to Netflix or into the theater? No, these p- will premiere exclusively on Netflix. And it's nothing he has... Oh, hold wor- on, hold on, this is crazy. He's not going to be a movie star anymore? He's going to be a Netflix star? For his next four pictures. It's, it's, what are they paying him? That I don't know. I mean, he's a very big movie star. I know his last couple pictures haven't done as well, but he's been one of the most consistent movie stars of the last 25 years. Seriously. They must be shelling out a huge amount of money because they're they're buying up everybody in comedy. They've got all the comedy specials coming out. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a fucking movie star who makes a hit movie a year. That, That his movies... Average around a hundred million dollars. That's a big difference than getting somebody's comedy special. This blows everything away. This changes everything with Sandler uh, signing on. It's it's fu- it's mind That's what I'm trying to get to the bottom of. But I got one guy acting like he's doing it, and another guy who acts like it's as big as a comedy special. Look, this is gigantic. After Sandler, all of Sand- after Sandler gets all rid of, uh, gets done with all of his current <laughs> projects, his next well, four movies. I just want your frenzy made Michelle <laughs> laugh in your face. Why why laugh in my face? I'm because a sick you're man. not. Because when you're sick, it's just adorable. Because you're not speaking the way a human would speak. <laughs> you got so many Sandlers in that sentence. I don't even know. It's just it's just dumb. Um, here is uh, Charlie. You're on the Run and Fest show. What's going on, boys? Hey, Ryan, there's some guy here in uh, California. He went into a Foster Farms uh, ranch and killed 900 chickens at the golf club. How many do you think you can do, Ronnie? How much time do I have? Because obviously, hey, I, 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 if I, I had enough time, an I could kill every chicken on the planet with a golf club. About an hour? How many can you do? I bet, I mean, obviously it would be a terrible thing to do. But well, I bet it would be chicken. fun to just watch, you know, like, you, you, you have a driver, you hit the chicken, and it just kind of explodes in feathers. Ugh. You eat chicken, right? I love chicken. I've, I've killed rabbits, but chickens, I don't know. Did you kill them with a golf club? Actually, my uncle did it. I wasn't around. What did he use, a pool stick? I, I believe it was um, a, a, a driver as well. That's golf, right? Wow. Um, by the way, you caught him in another cover-up when he was like, Sandler didn't even make these movies. Sandler's not even going to make it. He's not familiar with the stories that we're doing. Yesterday, you caught him in a gigantic lie, and in front of me and Chris, you yelled at Shelby, and you called him Nixon. Because it was that big of a cover-up. Is there he, was no cover-up at all. I know now there is... 
because of what you just did with that fucking story of acting like you knew what you were doing and then saying, oh, he's just going to put his buddies on this and have Fez come flying in and telling me the truth. I, yesterday, there was no... I, there was no There's cover. definitely a fucking cover-up, dude. I know it now. Fez has proven it. You're like... This uh, is just more evidence. Yeah. You're like one of those great fucking lawyers that at the last second of the trial, you bring up another case. I was trying to reach you for two hours last night. Oh, I... Why does he still have a busy signal like it's 1968? And does it, How he does found that, his cell phone. No, well, he turns his cell phone off at night yeah. and only uses his own phone. Well, that's good. It's good unless you're trying to, Try reach, to reach him. him. You yeah. don't have call waiting? No. No. No, no I don't but sign you know, up for those free. frivolous it's packages. Free. But can I tell you something? When I hear a busy signal Does it like that... make you furious? Well, no, because I think since it's Fez... Oh, I guess he was trying to call the hospital, fell down, and he's laying on the floor dead. Now, so I, you didn't die? No, I didn't die. I was on the phone with family members last night going uh, one through the next one with a huge, huge family situation we're involved in now. I got a call from my niece, and she announced to me and the rest of the family, well, other than my mother... That she is pregnant. Can I just say something? She's such a fucking liar. Do not believe her, whoever she says the father is. Let's just even drop it. So, the f- the father is this guy that she was seeing from work? Okay, great. Then she's telling the truth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Whew. That was close. <laughs> <laughs> that could have cost me a fortune. So she's unmarried. She is unmarried. Is that still a big thing in the South? It is. Uh, it, it's big in the South. It is huge in my family. Mm. How That's, old is she? She uh, just turned 30. Oh, oh come Jesus on. Jesus Christ. That's How is this a story? This isn't the I one. mean, I love that you're a truth teller and you're factual. But, but a 30? 30-year-old woman like, having a baby? Scandalous. Yes. Good, I, her, she's yeah. not dried up. Yay for her. Oh, God. Why would I'm you use that, that term? I'm allowed to say that. Can I say it, too? No. Shelby's not dried up. I said it. Although you're a cover-up liar. Nope. A cover-up liar. I thought she was like 16 or something. This, that would have made it a, a fun, amusing story, wouldn't and it? Where would she work? McDonald's? Probably Target, Wendy's. Wendy's. Target. Target. So this wasn't Target. the one from Thanksgiving? Yes. That is the same niece? Whoa. Yes. Whoa. She doesn't look. She looks a lot younger than 30. Why? Did well, you bang her? What do you her? think? You look your fucking age? You look like a sperm. I think 30. Okay, wait, 20s maybe. You know what? You look like a 14-year-old boy sperm. Thank you. I meant that as an insult. I'm saying you look like jizz. Fountain of youth. I hate having him in this fucking room. You see what you did to me today? Um, I I apologize. I want to be healthy. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be in here. Why don't you have a blood transfusion with the 14-year-old sperm boy at the beginning of the night? Give me that blood. How are you going to suck it? Uh, Fez has a story. His grandmother is pregnant, and everyone's mad at her because she's brought shame to the family. She's thirty, and we're all upset. So is is he going to? Is the guy married to someone? Uh, no, but they have they've broken up. Oh God! And they still work together? Yeah, do a little more than that. Pushing. If if she if she's broken up, she better tell that little vagina of hers. 
That thing's got to also be part of it. In that raw dog. <laughs> That's the name of our station, too. Isn't that great? It's nice. How it works out. Name the kid raw dog. Fez, are you okay? Most of the kids in the South mm-hmm. name that. But did you just say, Fez, are you okay? <laughs> That's something that you don't hear on a normal radio show. Are you okay? <laughs> Why? What did, what did he do? He just doesn't look well. I didn't grab my chest or anything. It might be the green must. Well, you you have a um, the lighting's bad over there. You, yeah, you you have a gray kind of look about you today. You your skin looks the same as a tombstone. If that <laughs> makes any f- sense. Not the pizza. Mmm. You bring up all the best pizzas. <laughs> I want a pizza. I'm really hungry. Are you really? Yeah. You want us to send out? Nope. That's I. I have my own people. Me. Why is it? Why don't you ever want something? Were you told that you weren't that you had no value as a child? No. I mean, clearly no. No, you weren't told that. No, I was never told that I had no value. I mean, by most people. You were told you had value. I had value. But why do you? Why does it always make you I upset just, if somebody wants to do something for you? I don't. Not every. Just interns. Well, that's why they're here. They're learning the business. Clox is going to get his opportunity later to talk about baseball. Baseball. Yeah. I come to this country. Look at this. There's a serious commercial up there. Yay, look at us. Yay. For Jesus. For Joel Osteen Radio. Perhaps the nicest person that's ever lived. Right? Yeah. He thought... um, Oh, no. I'm sorry. He fought someone? He, uh, He... Did you tell me he turned houses? Was that you? Like he and his wife turned house flipped ha- flipped is that the word? They're strong then. They're very They're incredibly strong. You've seen them. I saw Joel Osteen in the lobby the same time that the cardinal came in the near cardinal and they started fighting each other. <laughs> Fisticuffs. Yeah, that's not what Jesus meant. Osteen's ripped. You saw saw him naked, huh? There's pictures on the internet. Mm-hmm. Pictures? <laughs> pictures. Pictures. Was that your frappening? Um. What's this uh, slingshot uh, roller coaster video about? And why is there one of these a day up? The slingshot makes people freak out more than any other roller coaster. Well, I don't know what the slingshot is. It, Show it to me. It's when, all right, you're like, you're sitting there. Me? You. A per, you're, and then it just slingshots you with these like giant elastic bands right into Would, the sky. Why don't you show us the video instead of talking about? All right, I don't think that that is as scary as like the big roller coaster. Wait, just wait. Yeah, I've seen these before. It might get really. They scary. put it up the other day. They had a girl come on one. Nuh-uh. Yeah. That's gross. Why are they wet? They're spraying them down. You got to get they gotta ready get for wet? it. Take foreplay for the giant roller coaster. Is that a man? <laughs> These are a. This is a daily internet thing that we're supposed to watch people on this, and unless it came off and it shot them into the sky. I have zero interest in seeing this. His this friend passes out three ti- three separate times, and then fr- re freaks out when he wakes up each time. Like he realizes like they're really- pretending so they can go viral. I don't know. That guy's a pretty good actor. Yeah, that's his job, actor. For me, roller coasters are what I want 
drugs to be. Like, I know that this is going to be, like, a few minutes, and it'll be, like, a thrill, but I can get off. And I know when I'm going to, this thing is going to end. With, like, a drug, I, this could go out for hours, and I can't just, okay, I want it to stop now. DMT, my friend. That's pretty hard to get, though. No, it's not. Right. Not if you're on the radio. Do you know how many people <laughs> we know that do DMT? What is that? It's a fun little drug that kind of stops you from being yourself for two minutes. I that. Yeah. You kind of go into, um, well, you go to the smallest atom that there is in the world as far as, and then also the farthest reaches of space. It all happens at the same time. Well, in one tiny drug? Yeah. Wow. But why does it, why does it just like make it for two minutes instead of like two hours? That's how long it lasts. I, I think I like that instead of like being able to freak out. And I I think I really want to go to the store now. But I'm in two minutes I'll be able to. I can't believe you're not wearing a skirt. What are you fucking worried about? Just fucking ride it out. No matter what drug you took, ride it the fuck out. But I want to freaking about. I want to. Why don't you be cool? Put on some fucking music and enjoy yourself. I want to go do stuff again. I'm yes. done with drug time. Go do it on fucking acid. <laughs> yeah, if you're doing your drugs, if you eat acid, you know, all right, 12 hours, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a part. It's the same way when you get drunk, you don't get to be drunk for two minutes. Yeah, but then at some point, I'm like, ugh, I, I, I got to just lay here now. I'm too drunk. I'd like to stop being drunk now. Then do a fucking bump, you know? Even out, dude. <laughs> yeah. You think I used to do coke without having some fucking landing gear in my pocket? It's time to put this thing down now. Landing gear? Yes. I'm not, I'm not as familiar with drugs. I need to start getting I up wanna, on things. I wonder why that is. I, what, can I ask you guys a question? What does meth mean? You're seriously, you're like the fucking new girl in junior high school. My parents just moved here. <laughs> My dad got transferred. Yeah. Is there a volleyball team? He's a strange kid. Why would you bitch about drugs when you don't even do them? Well, I don't do them because I don't like to freak out for hours and hours. Well, I, you should I, try them. I mean, I'm not... I'm, I'm enabling you to try them. Okay. But I don't want you to. What have you done that's freaked you out for hours and hours and hours? Or are you just taking that from TV and movies? Like when I try, it's the movie they showed him in health class. <laughs> um, this guy thought he was a giant orange and didn't want anybody to touch him, so he wouldn't turn into orange juice. He's still in a mental institution to this day. Well, yeah, when I tried like ecstasy for the time I did it, I got I was like after a while, okay, I don't want to be all fucking sweaty anymore. I like crazy. To... If I'm on ecstasy, I want to last longer and longer and longer. It's called ecstasy. It's called everything feels great and I'm in a good mood. He's going to be like this. Heaven goes on forever. Uh, I don't want that. Got a taste of hell. Yeah. No one has ever talked like you without braces and acne. <laughs> I got mine off already. I can't stand him in this room, Chris. See what your Ebola did to me? I'm going to get better, and I'm going to kick him out of that room. Physically, I will drag him out of there and throw him back into this booth. This uh, was sent to us from Twitter. Um, Fez's scandal is that his niece is living her life. <laughs> She's 30, and she is going to find herself... In big trouble. 
Hey, so I heard something else about her. She financed her own car. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Well, that's what happens when you stop reading the Bible. That's how most pregnant... That's the majority of pregnancies now. It would be weird if she said, Oh, I'm waiting for marriage until we have this baby. That's how people have babies now. Don't you lecture him. He caught you in two lies in two days. <laughs> Don't let yourself sit there and be lectured by this fucking afraid adult motherfucker, Fez. Look at him. Mess him up, Fez. I don't want to smoke that thing because I saw a report on it that said it could lead to harsher drugs. Ecstasy made me feel too good for too long, so I was like, I want to feel normal again. I can't believe that he talked that long without sucking his snot back up into his nasal passages. I don't want to tank that drug. Look, I saw Dateline. They don't lie, you guys. What if acid doesn't end and I stop seeing things? <laughs> Sometimes when Shelby's talking, I just wait for a bird to come in and start fucking puking worm back into his mouth so he can live. I'm saying you seem like a baby bird sometimes. <sighs> I don't... I didn't, a oh, whole geez, worm? Eat there, a whole worm? I don't think I can handle goes. that whole thing. That's it. Be self-depreciating. That'll get you out of this. That always works. It never does. No. No. He gets caught with it. Fez, got him into, Fez you okay? You haven't talked. Yeah, I'm fine. You all right? Yep. <laughs> He's not fine. <laughs> We're He's not fine. I know. This is like being in a fucking mm -hmm. mash unit. I'm braving forward, though. You're right? the fucking boy in the bubble yeah, over you, there. You, You're John Travolta. John Travolta, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Love that movie. You're I know, it is really good. When like, he's dancing like that, you just feel so sorry for him. He's dancing in his bubble. By himself. Yeah. Well, then he's got that girl that comes over and shows her, you know, puts her tits up against the Was the girl bubble. Tom Cruise's wife for a while? No. No, I'm no. Not that, that girl was, I believe it was Glynis O'Connor is who Whoa. the girl was. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Now, if Boy in the Bubble had sex, he'd die, right? I mean, because the. Yes, yeah. so if, he, if he breathed. It's a perfect yeah. condom. I think at the end, didn't he go to take his spacesuit off? Yeah, he did. I think he went like horseback riding. Yeah, or and something. he started going. <gasps> <laughs> and he laid on the fucking ground and died. <laughs> oh, old yeller. There's blood coming out of his eyes. <laughs> He's just a boy in a bubble. Randy Newman. Um. This uh, sent to us on Twitter. Did Fezzi's chest pains coincide with Ron telling him about getting the Friday show on Opie's channel? That's now that I get that. Michelle, I get to say, fuck you to you folks. Really? Yeah. This takes a lot of pressure off of me with you guys. Yeah. You know, you when, just go. when you're like, um, Ron, could you do this? I'll go, I'm sorry, I'm doing something for the for Opie's channel right now. Right. I don't have time to do all this stuff. And when he asks for stuff, I'm sorry, Opie. <laughs> I have to do stuff for Raw Dog. And you're going to be just playing video games. <laughs> That's it. My life is great. It's Ronnie B's day off. <laughs> they all think I'm somewhere else. I like that new voice that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Andrew, you're on the Ronnie Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, remember... When Chris Stanley turns into a zombie, you got to shoot him in the head. I wouldn't be able to kill him. 
I wouldn't be able to kill Chris. Thank you. Just keep me like locked up somewhere as a zombie and throw me. Like in an old refrigerator out in the woods. Mm. And then I'll push it into the lake and keep you nice and safe at the bottom of the lake inside a refrigerator. So Sean and of the dead. Yeah. In a, with a refrigerator and not like I, it at all. Fuck it. We, prefer we used to have an old refrigerator in our backyard that we used to play Ford in. <laughs> and we just go in there. Your parents did not love you. Yeah. They, they loved me very much. I mean, they bought me what we used to call the backyard vault. <laughs> Get in the vault, son. I'm sorry, I didn't grow up in Montana fucking racing moose to school. <laughs> well, I was always the winner. <laughs> She's constantly throwing in our faces this Montana thing. Yeah. Constant. Her entire life, she just was like this. I gotta get out of this town. I just gotta roll somewhere out there. I want to act and sing. <laughs> Someday I'm gonna <laughs> get a Tony. You still like theater, huh? I love the theater. <laughs> theater. I thought you said he ate her. You know, Chris. We should put on a play around here. Well, you you've been to musicals before, right? I've o- I've been to only musicals, huh? and I like them. I like musicals. I like you. We even should, more. as a team, though, we should go see the theater across the street. The Michael Sierra story. Oh yeah, uh, youth- that's his story. <laughs> <laughs> youth go wow! Stop trying to look it up. <laughs> no, it's called This Is Our Youth. This is our hey, youth. I was just saying yeah. Youth and Revolt, which that was <laughs> yeah. a Sierra movie, right? No, yeah, it was a movie starring him. Yeah, Youth and Revolt. Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought I think Youth Gone Wild was a fucking album by somebody. I'd love to see it. I guess Zach Wild, because it was Youth Gone Wild with a fucking E. Um, Here's um, here's John. John, you're on the Run of Fish show. Ron, everyone, peace to you. Yeah. Hi. You know, there's a chance in about 17 years this baby's going to lose its virginity before Chris does. That isn't so much as a chance as a fucking lockdown deal. <laughs> Take that fucking money right now. They all go by you like a shot, don't they, Peter Pan? Oh, absolutely. You don't want to have the sex, though, huh? It's not foremost in my mind at this point. Form? Oh, I thought he meant for, no, well, he's a pilgrim. For every- <laughs> he's a pilgrim, so he talks that way. Heretofore, <laughs> I haven't thought of it. So I understand you're trying to get together with the Indians on Thanksgiving. <laughs> what is foremost in your mind? Oh, Jesus Christ. Hold on. There's a question over here from the reporter from <laughs> Weekly Reader. <laughs> with an A in Weekly. Yeah. Whoa! Whoa! I love that shit. Seriously, that was the best thing you've ever said, Fuzz. Got scripts over here. What's that supposed to mean? Script spelling bee. Oh, he spells God. shit now. But when he does a great fucking joke like that, why do you gotta go fucking tag it with a piece of shit? He's like this. Oh, Fez, is that a diamond you're wearing? Let me rub some dog shit on it right now. Oh, don't, Shelby. So anyway, what were you talking about? Being a pilgrim? I don't remember. Foremost. What's foremost in your mind? Life. Living. It's next breath. 
going to the hospital. Angina right now. Does each breath feel more precious to you <laughs> now that you're at this stage? Well, each one is more work, so yeah. yeah. The last time Fez was in the hospital, he, I made the, he's like laying in bed and he wasn't allowed out of bed. And I brung the nurse over and I'm like, like this. I go, now what is wrong with his feet? And she's like, what do you mean? I go, look how wide they are. <laughs> and he was like... She's like, they are kind of wide. Maybe he's retaining water. And then he's yelling, there's nothing wrong with my feet. He's kidding you. He had those nice socks on. Um, yeah. Which doesn't make sense that they had skid stuff on the bottom. Well, they have skids because he is a fall risk. So he has red socks, which means if he falls, let him lay there. And then they put the skid things in so he couldn't go sliding around playing hockey. All by himself. Um, That's what you get when you're on a lot of painkillers in the hospital. Sean, you're on the run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. I guess uh, Fez's niece never watched the after school special when grown adults have babies. <laughs> you know, to Fez, this all seems a little more nerve wracking. I know it would have been a you know a better angle if he was said he was 13, but. He's honest. He really, he kept he, it above board. He does. He keeps everything above board. Um, Chris in Connecticut. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, hey, uh, Ronnie, I, you know, I want to help you out a little bit and help uh, Chris Stanley out. I have a, a new elixir to help out his cold or Ebola, whatever, uh, that comes straight from my cock. But he, he's, gotta, <laughs> he's really got to suck on it. Straight from my cock. <laughs> Brian Adams, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of people writing in that Fez used the weird term. <laughs> you said angina instead of angina? I don't like to say angina because it sounds too much like vagina. And I believe angina, like Uranus, is the new pronunciation. Oh, God. Garbage. It'll always be angina to me. You really are a fucking pilgrim. Uh, I think that we should change the pronunciation because it's too close to vagina. And you know how dirty they are. They are, though. Right, Chris? I got to go out and find a fucking Sports Illustrated to give Fez for this weekend. You know the problem with those magazines? They're thinner and more expensive than ever. I should just give them a fucking laptop and say, look, look look up any story you want. Then he'll go right to his Jack sites. <laughs> <laughs> I think jacking in the hospital would probably be the lowest that, that you can ever do. I never had to. I would definitely jack off in the hospital. Of course you would. Oh, uh, yeah. You got to get it out. Oh, yeah. You're disgusting. You like those doctors. Imagine if you just wake up from a coma. Oh, my God. Comma. It's not pronounced comma. <laughs> That's the new vernacular. Um, honey, we're trying... To, I know you're confused by this because you're only 30, but you got a baby in your belly. <laughs> Mama? How'd it get there? I got a baby in my belly. Who put that there? Did I swallow it? Was it like watermelon? Hey, that's being racist. Was it? Yeah, because black people eat watermelon. I eat watermelon. Are you black? <laughs> I didn't know you were so black until I saw you eating that watermelon. I have two friends that are black. Yeah. 
Still oh, progressive. Oh, you're a hero. Wow. Well, I wanted to have a third, but the government came in and said, no, you've hit your limit. But neither one of them will eat watermelon in public because they don't want to be teased. I could. I'm like, you see Italian people eating pasta like there's no tomorrow. Stop putting up pictures of Fess, please. <laughs> he caught you with two fucking lies in two days. I was wrong about one thing, and there was no lie yesterday. Dude, I'm not going to get into it with you, but he caught you. You were absolutely nailed. And it was an elaborate cover-up. There, there was no cover-up. You're saying the same it. shit over and over. You're Nixon. And Hicks and I talked about it last night, and we decided... And we never said this before in our lives. Fez is right. That kid's a fucking filthy liar. Blew our minds when we yeah, came I to know. that conclusion. I know. That meant when we had to go to the factory and take fucking down the big numbers that we have there. It's been 347 days since Fez has been correct. But I would What's have... this woman walking around the woods for? She wants to get an abortion. Hey, that's something that your niece could do. Options. Yeah, options... If she needs to, I got a fucking card, and you know she use my card, and then I get the next one free. For free, nice. Yeah. How do they punch it? So with the big vagina. Yeah. Yeah. That's called vagina now. <laughs> it's too close to the dirty. Yeah, thing. it's too close to the name that it is. Um, Steve, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey. Hey, Braun. Yeah. I'm really having a hard time listening to Michelle. I don't know what she looks like. Is there a picture of her someplace? Yes, there's a picture I put up of Michelle, but it's really just Shelby in a pink wig. <laughs> Why give the secret away? Everyone was believing it. You just put on the pink wig, boy. <laughs> and then you do that funny belly dance we love so much. Dance for us. That's He's it. so dance. pretty with that wig on. Dance. Not again. Show, show it Please. to me. Please. Chris needs to get off. Show it to me. He's got to get it out. <laughs> Honey, can I come over? I got to get the poison out of me. And there's only one way. And that's Shelby dancing in that wig. <laughs> and into your vagina. Shelby, show me your mouth vagina. All right, Chris. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You always take something a little too far, don't you? And that's why. Something pretty. Yeah. Makes it ugly. I can't wait to speak at your eulogy. I'm already reading... It's called 10 Reasons I Hate Chris Stanley. Oh, at the funeral? Yeah. You only got to 10? Yeah, well. Hey, come on! <laughs> I don't I'm like sick. to write on the back of the paper. I think it makes you look like a Greek. Uh, Chris, you put a piece up on the Terror Bank today uh, about corporate douchebags. Yeah, I was uh, going through a bunch of films, and it's, yeah, it's... Oh, uh, just in films? And, uh, yeah, just Not in, here? Just okay. in film. And Ode to the Suit, movies, corporate scumbags. Mm-hmm. And just going through how they all have similar qualities, and some actors just play the movie corporate scumbag just perfectly to a T. And then my, I think the best guy at it is Ronnie Cox. He was Cohagen in Total Recall, and he was the uh, the head of OCP in RoboCop. Not not Wall Street. He's he's uh, he's part of this, but I think Ronnie Cox is just had the perfect '80s scumbag look to him. Not yeah, but Sigourney then he was Weaver. the good guy. In, wasn't he the good guy in um, Beverly Hills Cop? Because he was like you thought he was going to be the bad captain, but he was pretty cool. He turned out okay, but where he really shined was his Cohagen and in, in RoboCop. Was is Sigourney Weaver on there? 
No, Sigourney Weaver isn't there. Well, then you you fucked up the list. I didn't fuck up the list. The list is great. Why would she be a corporate douchebag? Working girl? Yeah, but... Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Fucker. I bet you're, you're, you're so misogynistic, <laughs> you don't have any women on this list. He does. No women. No women. She was good because she was a backstabbing Horrible bosses. Bitch. Little Jennifer Aniston. What no. the fuck's yeah, wrong with Jennifer it. Aniston? This is 80s heavy. Oh, <laughs> then working girl. Like, you just fucking nailed yourself Why? in the chest. She's right. The working girl should have been in here. No. She's not, she's uh, not as bad as uh, the rest of these guys. Now who hates women? Well, he Chris always said. did. I love women. You why hate would you, them. Why would you yell that out now when we just called him misogynist two minutes ago? That's what this whole thing was about. Why don't you just yell out this? What about working girl? <laughs> what about working girl? How'd you get in this room? Chris had an AIDS, I think. Something like that. Why can't you sit next to him in there and just fucking breathe in his skunk breath? All right, what else you got, Chris? This is up on the com, by the way. And William Atherton... He was the he was the lawyer for the EPA in Ghostbusters yeah, who shuts a down. Good one. And he was also the the dude who shut who tried who hated the kids in Real Genius. Oh, he's oh, so fucking yeah, but that's good. Not a that should be number one. That by was the way. a corporate job though, because that was academic. He was the professor. You're right. He yep, you suck. Back. Right, are you? Did you even think before you put together this list? I thought a lot about this list. You didn't put Working Girl in there, like it's one movie. Working Girl. Can you girl. go put it up right now, Chris? While we're sitting here? <laughs> no, I've got to be able to edit it in real time. Ugh, uh, you're sweating so much. I think yes. the popcorn scene at the end of Real Genius, which, by the way, they're making it into a TV show. Nah, yeah, they shouldn't. Why? Every week they're gonna blow up the house with popcorn. It just seems. Yeah. And then play that fucking that great popcorn. track. It's so fucking great. That popcorn scene Listen is really the, song. the best. <laughs> this actually happened. It was based on a true story. You know what my biggest problem with this movie is? That there is an underage girl at the end of this jumping around with really big tits and I could never take my eyes off of her. And she's far too young. For you to look at? Yeah. What are you going there? Try to find the scene. How, do you get, how did he get in this room, Chris? He's terrible at it. My unexpected illness. Unexpected? What? He keeps clicking it off. He's trying to get to the boobies. Yes, but he's actually taking it off completely. He's already missed her. There she is. Oh, wow. And she's far too young for anyone to think that of. But but the, the mad scientist girl, she's yeah, great too. Boom. Boom. Oh, look how cute she is. Did she ever do anything else again? I don't think so. I think this was it. Too bad. Except look like my best friend from high school, not him. Uh, who else is in the, your list? Working Girl? No, Working Girl is nowhere near no? anywhere on this list. A uh, Hart Bachner, he played Ellis in Die Hard. That's good. <laughs> That's <laughs> he was the coked out guy who eventually just gets killed. Oh, he's perfect. Yeah. He's just the perfect 80s. Bubba <laughs> Look. John, it's me. 
I told him everything about how I invited you to this party. <laughs> Do not talk to them. You don't know what you're doing. No, he's got it. Hans, don't point that gun at me, babe. All by memory. I actually, he was a he was a corporate douchebag, but didn't you feel like a little bad when he died? Mm-mm. I was sad, but he wasn't. You didn't? You were glad he died? It was so mean to him. He her. was trying to help everyone, sure. He was kind of a dick, but he was trying to get everyone out of a bad situation. He thought he could do it. Yeah, he's giving up McLean, though. Yeah. All right, let me he just. Did. No, he wasn't. He didn't give him up. What he did was act like he, he was saving the wife. You know what I mean? By saying, we're both together. I mean, he didn't put anybody at any more jeopardy. He, it kind of was a hero move. He got I'm murdered in a hero it. move. I'm going to yeah. have to rewatch it. And- yeah. Because he said, no, he's with me instead of he's the, with his wife, which would have made the guy go over and put the gun at his wife. Um, by the way, if you go over to the iBang on uh, Chris's um, movie Douchebags, and the real genius popcorn scene is there, and if you go to the six-minute mark, 640 actually, you'll do everything that took Shelby um, 40 minutes to fuck up. All right, what else you got, Chris? Michael Douglas makes the list for of course he does. Wall Street. Is he a douchebag or the coolest fucking guy in history? He's a douchebag. And he's also kind of a dick in the game, too, where he plays another corporate guy. He does I mean, that Eventually well. he learns how to love life by the end. It seems like he and Tom Cruise tried to start every movie in a nice suit, but cold and friendless. And don't really get what life is about. And then they have to learn it after some tragedy happens to themselves. After they're shown the money? I wish that at the end of Jerry Maguire, that Tom Cruise would have ended up with Michael Douglas. And those two would have just <laughs> said, we both learned a lesson here. Love. Progressive. That's our lesson. Progr- that would be a much more progressive film. Okay. you, you I, Can we move to the next one? Because I would like to make fun of it. All right. Go ahead. All right. Fine. Gary Cole. I Boston think it's perfect. Space. But what year was that made? You said this was only the 80s. I said, said 80s heavy. Bullshit, I said Chris. 80s heavy. You listen, Michelle. You listen to me when I talk. <laughs> she caught you lying. There was You're a- the next fucking Shelby. <laughs> no, there ain't no cover up here. I ain't Nixon. You're the only Shelby because no. you're the only liar here. You know who you are? You're fucking Spiro Agno. Ooh, burn. Thanks. Nixon's fucking lackey. Um, I wish I was Grant. Hey, uh, Matt Hatter, you're on the Run of Fez show. So me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I was just saying about the movies, um, I hope that they included James Spader. Because oh. every movie he was in, he was always a douche. But Spader? not a corporate, was he a corporate douche ever? Oh, he, who was the boss in uh, Secretary? Uh, Spader. He was the boss. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. He, he did not make he the fucked list. fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, but then he spanked her, and a lot of guys fucking jerk off to that film. And some women. So a hero. Yeah. He went from zero to hero. I've masturbated to that film. You have? Yes. You're masturbating right now. Like, what, what haven't you? I can't when I'm sick. Here, I'll give you, uh, I'm going to give you a tip, everyone. Yeah. This is something that I found. <laughs> Masturbation cures congestion. Hmm. I'm telling you this right now. Oh, does it, Jiznos? <laughs> 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 you filthy fucking... Come stained fucking nasal passages. Yeah, Self masturbation, not being masturbated upon, but you know yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, why to clear that up? I need to clear that up. I thought jacking someone all over your face is what you were talking about. <laughs> By the way, this is an XL channel. If you're listening with your children, please turn it off. This is not for everyone. That's a quick life hack. 
right, a lot of people are are bum rushing this, so don't turn it off because I brought up the the scene with that. I believe to be too young of a girl with large breasts jumping into the popcorn. They should have never slow motioned that. All right, so here's a, a good story. Are, are you done with your no, the list? Thing is he done. fucked up. Yeah, it didn't fuck up. It was a great list. Mm. Mm. I would have said best list ever. Yeah, but Michelle pointed out to me how shitty it was. <laughs> Thanks for Delta, Michelle. you're in trouble. I guess what, Chris? Yeah, you're coming to work tomorrow. Ooh. Oh, I gotta go to the doctor. Yes, after you work a full day. Fuck. I guess I'll just be in this booth all day. Did Don call us back yet? And say, yes, sure, guys. Take Everybody's the day out. Off. You, you never took a vacation all summer. Please take one day off. You know what? Chris told me how many vacation days we have left. Like 900? He said 71. He counted them up last night, but that might have been the flu. Oh, he did it last night? Yeah. Don't trust anything from last night. According to my charts, it's 71. By the way, I talked to your doctor. He said you got the cocktail flu. (laughs) It's called a hangover, you prick. I'm not hungover. Did you do Uh, this list last night? No, I didn't do it last night. List? This is more like a lisp. Then let me tell you the next one. (laughs) Um, So... This is the Jeff Garland story. Now, Jeff is a friend of mine for many, many years, and he's a great guy. But I saw a thing of him on the Huffington Post where he was screaming, well, talking Garland loud, that we that he wants everyone to stop sexualizing Selena Gomez. <laughs> and he was very upset <laughs> that she was in the movie Spring Breakers. And he said he went to see it, and he never felt so dirty in her life. And he, then he yelled out, she has baby fat, so stop it. What? Now, here's the thing. Uh, she's 22 years old. Now, I get that Jeff is uncomfortable because he watched her grow up and he worked with her. But you also can't infantize girls and say you can't... He said that she had baby fat? Yeah, which is not... <laughs> not, not what a girl wants to hear, right? And she's 22? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, come on. Um, but, you know, Fez just did it here. We're acting like his niece is a scandal and then pointing out that she's 30. <laughs> Now, Fez was, you know, 51 when she was born, so he's watched her grow up and... And himself, too. Yeah, and he's like, well, she's too young to have a bit, but it's not, you know. I think that when you feel that way, you should just go, I don't think of her that way. But you can't get mad at a girl for... And he said, we didn't used to do this. He kind of acted like it had towards the internet, but, you know... Sex symbols have always been pretty young. I, I can't get past the baby fat thing. Like yeah, I, if I had see if everything wasn't fucked up, we'd have somebody else on that, but Shelby, and then he doesn't like to really be involved in it. But it's, um, I'm sure that he meant it like he was. Chris, I'm going fucking bananas the way he he's now got he's got the napalm girl on. Where's the Jeff Garland is what we want to see, Shelby. Well, my brain. Uh, On Wizards of Waverly Place, um, Selena Gomez's uncle. And I worked with her for three years, and I love her, and she is, uh, at least in terms of what I saw, a great kid. But then 
I see her sexualized. And I know she was in Spring Breakers and all that. By the way, I saw Spring Breakers, and I'm by myself in the theater, and I couldn't have felt dirtier. <laughs> I, just I went to go see her work, and her work was great. Her work was great. But the thing is, when I see her sexualized, I look at her, and I look at this Ariana Grande. Is that her name? That's right. Okay. Both beautiful girls, really beautiful girls, but they have baby fat. They look like kids. They look like kids. All right, so if you say to someone who's 21 or 22, you are not an adult enough to to choose how you're going to dress. Oh, you're, you've just caused World War II against all the... Yeah. Three. It's the third one. I mean, I know that he's trying to do this from a protective place. And it seems place. like a very protective place. And yet, there's something creepy <laughs> when adults want to be protective of adult women. I get that you go, I'm not comfortable because I saw her grow up, so I'm not going to think of her that way. You know? And I saw Spring Breakers, too. She was the good girl in Spring Breakers. So. She was, but I think he was upset that she was wearing a bikini. Come it's 1954. <laughs> I'm telling you, I love Garland. He's a net full of jello in And it. I know that his heart's in the right place, but I think it makes him look like that thing where us men are in charge of your vaginas. Yeah, that's... It's up to us what you do with your bodies. I'll say one thing, that Ariana Grande looks like she's 14 years old. It's... I don't even think she uh, she looks that old. What does uh, she do? Uh, she's a she's a pop singer. Yeah. She sings the, the, the songs? Yeah, she sings the pop songs that the kids like so much. Chris, you know what time it is, right? It's 1 p.m. It's the Ron and Fez On Demand Easter Egg Contest. The only on-demand contest in the world. Why? Because Ron and Fez love you. That's why. This is the Vincent D'Onofrio. I know. I'm going to split the prize with whomever calls him. Well, that's nice. You can have the cover and they can have the DVD inside. Um, Chris, pick a number between one and nine. Nine. Kevin, in New Hampshire, welcome to the Ron and Fez on-demand hey. Easter egg. Hey, buddy. What's up? It's just a dream, fat boy. Oh, boom! <laughs> yeah, buddy. Congratulations! You're another Ron and Fez Easter Egg On Demand winner! It's just a dream, fat boy. That was from Full Metal Jacket when they beat him with pillowcases full of soap. Ugh. Great, great. He was so fucking amazing in that mm. movie. And then to know, like, six months later, he was chiseled in Thor. It was confusing. Oh, Thor. And that was in the 80s. Why didn't you have that in there? Chris, if you're so 80s savvy. You don't see the Marines as a corporation? No, I do not. It's a government organization. Yeah. Government, as government. you call it. Maybe I'll get the government to help me with my flu. Are <laughs> right, people writing in... Why wouldn't Shelby just put Garland on? Not only would he found it and then started to look for pictures of Selena Gomez instead. I, I wanted to run at him like Homer and just start choking him. Shelby, got to get that focus on. What are you doing over there, Shelby? Thinking of lies to tell Fez? 
Well, there, like, no lies. You know, to did the lies try to make you look worse, Fez, or better? Oh, tried to make me look worse. Yeah. Yeah. The I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be. He's so Nixon. I wouldn't be surprised if there's 17 minutes missing from the tape of this show for on demand tonight. The only people that are going to get that are your age, but I still think this is a great 1974 reference. The lie, if I told one, would not have helped me at all. It wouldn't have Nothing gotten me out of any. It totally would have helped you. It would have had me going back to Ron saying, "No, Shelby took care of that. It was all. T- it was there. It was all done." By the way, I went out to dinner with Don the other night. How right? was that? It was fantastic. I, you know, I took him to a nice place, and then when the check came, I leaned back. <laughs> you're the. You know, he took off his cowboy boot. Uh, uh. But he said to me, he said. What's going on with Shelby? And I go, what do you mean what's going on with Shelby? And he said, I've gotten uh, on file now seven emails that have been sent. And I go, from who? Fuzzy. You've been piling up your Shelby complaints? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I keep Don in the loop. That is good. That is all he ever asked for is to be kept in the loop. But I didn't know that you would go through each thing that the kid does. Yeah, I'm just putting it all together. Yesterday was a huge one. This is how I covered for Shelby. Well, the kid is a fuck-up. <laughs> this is what I said. <laughs> I go, Fez is a nitpicker, but that kid is a real fuck-up, Don. I said, you blew it when you brought him in. But Don wasn't here then. Don, yeah, I no. was going to ask about that. That's Tim's mistake. Well, okay. Because Tim went over my head and got Shelby. Um, by the way, Don left the tip on the table. There it is, right there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That I said, I said let me go person. back for a minute. Grab that tip. That's in my a pocket. big chunk of change he left there, too. Well, you know what? He's a high roller, you know. Mm. He makes it rain. He does make it rain. Money. He makes it rain money. Not macaroni and cheese? So there's a file on you, Shelby. Maybe I extensive send, send him some links to the Fez show. I think there's a file that yeah, already that, exists on that YouTube. That will serve you well, going to Wiki about me. Yeah, I was joking. I wouldn't really do that. Looks like... <laughs> Why are you laughing so hard, Chris? <laughs> this is fucking crazy. It's just digging fucking holes deeper and deeper until you hit fucking hell. Or the, the center of the earth. But you are a religious guy. He still believes that hell's under the ground. It's in the middle of the earth. That's where you go. Right There's in the a house. In the You'll be down the in the earth. ground, son. They suck you into hell if you're bad. All right, now get some sleep. Nighty night. Everyone be listening to the Ron and Fez show on demand on the SiriusXM app or SiriusXM online, SiriusXM.com slash on demand for tonight's Easter egg. Oh, I can't wait. Well, we're not going to be here tomorrow. Yeah, everybody's taking off. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Best of. Best of. Better than the rest of. But you had a Mike William Black tweet you wanted to read. Um, no, I did that already. Are we going to, uh, still be able to run our, um, uh, Highlander game properly? But tomorrow is a day off? Yeah. Now, which one of these guys do you think is faking sick, if you had to say so, Michelle? If I had to say so, it, w- it would be Chris. Bullshit. See, I wouldn't say that it's Fez, because he doesn't show outward signs. Oh. 
the way that Chris does. Like you can look at Chris and hear his. I do see the sweating. Yeah. But with Fez, we just have to take his word that his his chest is imploding. I was told I looked awful this morning before the show even started. I did say that. Yeah, but that was just from wearing the same shirt every day. I do say that every day. You always say, tell me you look awful. (laughs) You look terrible today, like you slept in a trash can. Are you getting enough sleep? Do you like to whisper when you talk like that when he comes in there? Yeah. Yeah. Getting enough sleep there, Fess. He has to bend over. I get to see his cleavage. Ooh. (laughs) Ooh. Ow! (laughs) Did you send out the email to Don? There was never even a draft of any email. <laughs> you actually have to draft up an email? Yeah. What, are you retarded that you can't just sit and write one? Did he blast um, one? Look, <laughs> you're going to get an email blast from this one here. There's a little email blast. I'll you. blast you. Yeah. Blasted email. Sitting in an ink. Is next week the unma- uh, unmasked or the week after? It, the 14th is the week after? Yeah, week after. Wow. I wasn't even aware. Now I feel like I better read the book. My, did you hear that? That yeah. was my stomach. I, it's normally Chris's stomach in here. I know. I'm you. Last time I heard Chris, his stomach but said But I this. can't say I suck His cock. stomach actually, this is the noise his stomach made. Help me. My stomach is fine today. Mm. Actually, that's a lie. When I'm sick, it really gets really bad. I think people are sexualizing you. <laughs> and I don't appreciate that. Uh, you'd love it. No, it's mean. <laughs> you should see my calendar in my house of you. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking weird. I have a calendar uh, of you at my house. <laughs> you got so many holes. Yeah. Well, I think I call them Chris's special little holes. <laughs> what, do you got a meeting to go at one thirty? Yeah. What's it about? Things. New things on the pike. Is the uh, the Fez emails about Shelby? Well, it's about the, the, sh- the but Fez But do you see show. how embarrassing it was for me to be sitting there at an overpriced dinner like that and then have to hear that you guys send emails back and forth? Wiki wants to know what's going on. Yes. Everything, though? Do you ever talk to Don? Yeah. I never running down anybody on the show. Just exchanging pleasantries. Why do you drop your voice sometimes? Like a minute ago, he was talking really like a baby, and then he just went like this. Yes, I do. I never run down anybody on the show. I give him a firm handshake. The two <laughs> of us go out golfing together. <laughs> You're an odd North Face boy. He puts on a fake voice too when he's uh, screening phone calls. What's he do? It's like, hi, this is the Ron and Fez show. Well, what's your name? Where are you from? So it sounds totally different from, from his normal speaking voice. What's his Chipotle story? Oh, you, there's a... Oh, Jesus. Every what? fucking story is Shelby's today? Well, there's okay. a Chipotle in the Midwest. Is there? The, the All over... right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Go take to... us to break. <laughs> Go to it. It's fantastic. And a, and a woman, like, they don't have any, like, baby-changing stations in the bathrooms there, so she took it upon herself to take the baby into the dining room and start changing the baby's diaper, like, just on a table, amongst all the Shitty food. or pissy? Both. 
shitty and pissy diaper. Well, I think once it's shitty, you don't even bring up the piss That's anymore. That's just a second nothing. Yeah. If there's shit, there's piss. That's what I always say. <laughs> where there's shit, there's piss. That's your version of where there's smoke, there's fire. <laughs> That's his family. I think that you're right. I think there's no reason not to do both once you're already there. Every time somebody's shitting, he tells them to get back in there and piss so his quote oh, can be true. It. Just come on. Go on with your story. Come on. Are you Elvis? Come on, Shelby. <laughs> come on, man. Love my girl. It's Jim Morrison. Uh, what do you got? And now people are like outraged. And now she's outraged that, oh, I'm not allowed to change my baby in a dining room of a restaurant. How old was the baby? I need to know. 16. 30. <laughs> <laughs> Just 30. It was pregnant. Just the baby. Pregnant, too. 22 with a baby face. Baby fat. Baby fat. Like, but she couldn't take the baby out to the car to get changed. Like, I think if you, like, have such a problem like this, you shouldn't bring your kids anywhere until they're at well, least well, why six are you, years Why are old. you upset about it? I mean, you don't live in the Midwest, and oh. you don't go to that restaurant. I go to a Chipotle all the time, and I'm at places where there's babies shitting and the, screaming. But do they ever change them in front of you? Yes. I was on a plane where they a woman started changing. Well, where, where, well, you were, that's so hard. You really, When you have a, a child, I would like to have this conversation again. But see, here's the thing. That baby needs to be changed. Yeah, but like take it out of the restaurant. Take it But But you just brought up the place. plane. You've went and made it into a really cramped place. Yeah, you, you know? can still go into the bathroom. And it's do the that. hardest There's, thing in the world to change a baby on a plane in the bathroom. It for, really is. And first of all, it's hard enough just to take a piss in that bathroom. You know what I mean? Like There's no room and it moves. You know what I mean? So to change your baby in there would be very tough. I don't hate babies. I don't understand the amount of people that I'll, I'll hear stories of. Oh my God, this disgusting woman fed her baby with her breast in front of me. That is a big story. You get to see a tit. And the changing uh, of a baby story. Maybe because I grew up around kids my whole life, but it doesn't freak me out. I, I do think it's it, it is pretty gross to change a baby in the middle of a. I would just room. keep I would just keep right on eating right next to it. You would just be like, "Can I have a bit?" And <laughs> yeah. you scoop that shit up. I would do it like with a corn chip. Right, little tortilla action. Are you also one of those guys you hate to see women feeding the baby? No, I don't mind that, and it gets brought up a lot. But you never, I don't see it that much. Even you like, don't go you, to Brooklyn. It's constant. So that's all they do. Only yeah. in Brooklyn, none of the other boroughs. Well, where are you in places where... Well, it's because there's a lot of children in Brooklyn's where the families go. That's the point of it. First of all, those people in Brooklyn take their children in the bars and then they'll tell the people, hey, you want to watch your language? We've got kids in here. You're like, this is a fucking dive bar. There's an initiative in Park Slope specifically to ban children from bars because there's so many families there and they, you know, they're all just you know, having some cocktails. I kids. would actually say this. I can't serve her. She's only six <laughs> months old. <laughs> I have my liquor license to worry about, pal. Are you going to breastfeed? I'm sorry. I would her. be, yeah. I worry about children in bars because if a guy gets dr drunk, he might try to pick up a kid. <laughs> Those beer goggles. Yeah. So where are you from? <laughs> oh, you're in preschool, huh? <laughs> Pre K. 
But there's this other thing that people, there's this one story that he found of some place in the Midwest and then brings it up like it's an outrageous thing that's happening everywhere. It's like that Fox News angle of that, somebody says happy holidays on the other side of the country and everyone scream that there's a war on Christmas. It's just not happening enough for people to worry about. But people do. I think if you have like a little baby, don't take them to a restaurant or don't take them to a movie. Well, you're not taking them to a really nice fucking place. That place should have a changing table, period. It should. And both the uh, women's area and the men's area. Boom. That's done. You could get over your entire outrage instead of hating children just to say, look, if you're going to have a family restaurant, and that's what they are, have a changing area. So what? It's not even that big. It's just a fucking thing you put on a wall that pulls down. Yeah, it's just a fucking ironing board. Yeah. It's a little higher up. You can't really iron. And look, if you don't want fucking kids to come to, to movies, stop going to fucking Pixar movies. You're an adult. You're acting like a fucking child yourself. I, I I was in like World War Z, and they people were in the back with their kids playing. Like I could hear the little. That makes me crazy. Why would you go to World War Z in the first place? It's a we kids movie. That's a baby's movie. People are getting their arms cut. I went to see Django Unchained. Three guys walked in with like two kids, had to be like six years old, and no. they sat like a couple rows back. I was. That's wow, right. three People men and love- two babies. Yeah, it doesn't even make... Th- you can tell the lying cover-up. There's no lying <laughs> here. Moving. No, Fez caught you yesterday, and it's becoming constant. Fez, send Don an email about this. It's really starting to get to Shelby me. Shelby saw it. sent. Bring up that I tried to do the Garland thing, and then he, instead of just clicking it, he's just starting running around looking at pictures of Selena Gomez. I forgot the Garland one. Another email, Don. Do, 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 do. Um, I will tell you the rock star. Coming up, what, in about 15 minutes? I get to 10, 15 minutes, yeah. Am I going to get to here? About 10 or 15 minutes. Well, here's my thing. My favorite kind of rock stars. Well, I'm always in a mood for this. Singer, songwriters. That's my. That's the thing. You're know, like, there's a purity there. The Joni Neil Youngs, Joni Mitchell is a perfect example. Uh, Alana Morissette, Van Morrison. To me, one of the perfect Southern California singer-songwriters has written amazing songs. Has had a career now for forty plus years. Not only that, but wrote a song for. Back in the 60s, for Nico, when he was only like 16, 17 years old. Coming up in just a few moments, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Jackson Brown. Wow. That is fucking cool, Chris. That's pretty goddamn huge. Yeah. Who came in for this? Steve Leeds? Leeds. He uh, gave me the album a little while back, and I've been listening to it ever since. It's good. Good Jackson Brown album. Good job, Jackson Brown, I'm going to say. <laughs> Shelby, I want your dumbass out of the fucking room for this. I can't just, you know, hang on the couch, maybe. No, the way that you fucking stared at Gary Marshall like this the whole time he was talking. <laughs> he never said one word to him, he just sat like this. 
So after Gary Marshall leaves, I go, what were you doing? He goes like this. I really like Gary Marshall. <laughs> You're a quirky fucking kid. You are a quirky kid. Everything Fez has said about you over the years is true. Well, then he couldn't name a Gary Marshall movie. No, and you caught him looking at a DVD. He was reading the back of a DVD when you, you asked which one he liked. You don't even know what he's done. What was that all about? I just thought, okay, I should be right here in case you know the, something. There's something wrong with the mic. He's an elderly gentleman. I want to be there to you know fix it up in case something goes wrong with it. Or you know what? The last time I did it unmasked, I came walking out, and both mics were fucking pushed into the fucking seats. Why don't you think then? I looked over at everybody then. I'm like, what? What happens during the setup, the warm-up that's all supposed to be part of it? Both mics were like underneath cushions. So we both had to sit there and adjust. What was the last mess I did? Andrew Martin. That fucking thing smoked, didn't it? That it was, was a great so unmasked. Yeah. And you were there for that one. It was your I first unmasked. First, first in the yeah. front of the line. She said something to me about you, too. Uh, who's that creepy girl staring so hard? Oh, you heard her. <laughs> um... No, she liked you very much. She said, if I had to be with a woman, it would be with that creepy girl that was staring so hard. <laughs> My life is falling apart, but at least I can always remember Molly the intern. Hey, Molly. Buddy. Hey, buddy up? girl. How's Spain? Well, I'm so Spain is amazing. I'm just happy that the phone is working because I had some trouble last time, but it I am back and ready to participate. Now... How much longer are you going to be in Spain? Till Christmas? Yeah, till de my program ends on December 20th, and then I'm going to hopefully travel around a little more and then come back to New York. Oh, yeah, because Christmas doesn't mean shit to you, right? Hanukkah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, but have you seen any of the churches of Spain? They're pretty beautiful. Yeah, they're amazing. Uh, last weekend I went to Toledo. It's they, they called it the religious capital of Spain, and they had the most amazing... Like, there was Gothic cathedrals, there were uh, Romanesque ones. It was amazing. It's, wow. been, it's been unbelievable. And, I, and last weekend, also, I went to Switzerland, mm -hmm. and I saw Lake Geneva, and, uh, you know, it just has the mountains, and there's, like, a fog rolling in. I've seen some crazy... Did you buy me any chocolate there? Four o'clock. Oh, did we lose you? And there she goes. She's like the wind. Yeah. Yeah, I bring up something for me, and boom, she's gone. <laughs> Convenient, Molly. <laughs> All right. Chris, at least he got me something when he went to Hershey. You with came back chocolate? with those kisses. That's right. <laughs> One of those great big ones. Yeah. This is what I feel for you. <laughs> so what you said to me, Chris? <laughs> well, Close. I feel for you, because I love you. How come Prince never comes up here? Uh, He has stuff to do. Does he? I think. You need a napkin for your face, Chris. You're disgusting, Chris. No, um, no, it's just that like, you're sweating and then wiping it off where? On my jeans. <sighs> what? I, Here's the problem, Chris. This is a tight working uh, area, right? Yes. This thing could rush through every radio station here. When people have the flu, don't come to work here. We have a lot of radio shows, some done by elderly people. <laughs> and let's say... Celebrities? Yeah. 
If I ever feel anything in my throat ever again, I'm not coming in. What if Jackson yes. Brown gets it? I, I know we've had this discussion. I know. I just thought and I, I smoked said to too you, much. If cousin Brucey catches this, oh. and you're the reason that he, you know, is off the air for quite God a while. God forbid. Yeah, God forbid. But this, instead of God forbid, let's just forbid this. Yeah, why? Why? Uh, Molly, we got you back, honey. Hey, I'm back. Sorry. I don't know. I, I'm using a, like a, a sketchy Wi-Fi service to call, so hopefully it'll, it'll hold on for like a couple more minutes. I know that you had a big fight with your mom when she came to visit you in Spain. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I, you know, I, I speak Spanish okay. You know, I'm, not, I'm obviously not fluent, and my parents came, yeah. and I had to translate the whole time for them. And my mom insisted on interrupting me in the middle of, like, a translation to tell me that I was doing it wrong. But she doesn't actually speak Spanish. It was, like, the craziest thing. And also, you know, like, the Spaniards are kind of on a different time schedule. Like, you show up to a restaurant, and you have to wait a little bit longer, and, you know, they just move, like, a lot slower. Uh-huh. And I told my parents about it, and they were just so anxious the whole time. It was very stressful. But it was really cool to have them come visit. So Jews like to it. eat the also, second they walk into a restaurant. <laughs> Right. Yeah, we're we're pretty impatient. They but, love buffets. Yeah, we 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 do love a good buffet. And then I also um I was because you know you were just talking about babies being in restaurants and stuff like that. Yeah. I went to Oktoberfest two weekends ago, and someone had a baby in one of the tents. That's so cute. Was it? Babies it like was, beer. It it was strictly beer and pretzels and like you know these these. Cheesy bread things. It was a crazy mm. thing. Nothing. Were you in? Were you in uh, Germany? Yeah, I was in Munich. Well, she's everywhere. You are everywhere. Yeah. We want to be. You know what? She's like I've... traveling with Ebola wherever she goes. Ebola. I gotta go. See you, buddy. Bye, guys. Go to your meeting. Michelle, how's it going? Bye, Molly. She has to leave and go to a meeting. Thanks. But she does yeah, I heard about Jackson Brown. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to love him. He's great. All right, I got to go for that, too, now, Molly. Stay in touch with us, all right, sweetie? Oh, yeah, will do. All right, bye-bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Um, that's our little intern, Molly, who was by herself better than all the interns that we have this semester and two of the three producers. Oh, which one you think that she's not? Which one you think would have weighed it in our staff's favor? Me, myself. I'm gonna vote for myself. Shelby, who do you think? I think me. Fezzi. I'm gonna vote for myself. One of you is correct. I got a break. We'll come back with Jackson Brown. As I said, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Jackson Brown. Great songwriter uh, who's written songs that were hits for himself and for many, many other people. Uh, Shelby, what's your favorite Jackson Brown song? Chris, what's your favorite Jackson Brown song? Run on Empty. Fezzi? I don't have one. You and Shelby are so much alike. Mine is These Days, although Rock Me on the Water is phenomenal. And by the way, he also... Uh, wrote songs that recorded by the Eagles included Take It Easy. I mean, is one of the biggest songwriters of all time. Uh, we'll be here. His new album is uh, actually terrific. 
Standing in the Breach. It's available pre-order now on Amazon and iTunes. The album comes out Tuesday, October 7th. You can go to jacksonbrown.com if you're a fan of Jackson Brown's or of that Southern California sound from the 1970s. You're going to love this album because he's right back in the pocket. Always uh, exciting to have somebody like this drop in on us. We'll be right back with Jackson Brown. Ron and Fez on Raw Dog Comedy Hits. Channel 99. Birds of St. Mark's off Jackson Brown's, Brown's brand new album, Standing in the Breach. And Jackson Brown is in with us right now. How are you, my man? Good. Good to be here, Ron. First of all, congratulations for this. It's uh, it's a terrific album. Thank you. Uh, I've only been, I only got it a couple days ago, and I'm doing that thing of just letting it roll mm-hmm. over and over, which I'm not sure if even the young people understand that feeling of getting an album and playing it over and over again. Um, I grew up that way of you get the album and listen to it and listen to all the songs long before you. You pick your own personal singles. Yeah. Um, but it is uniquely a Jackson Brown record. <laughs> well, um, thank you. Sure, of course, <laughs> you <know>? thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I like this record a lot. And I, and it's fine. I'm just thinking, uh, It's for me, it's the same. I'm just beginning to hear it in odd moments and not and hear it come up, you know, without having put it on or without working on it, you know? Is that right? Yeah. I just I just uh, approved the vinyl pressing, and it was so amazing to go home, and I didn't have much time to do it. I, I went and got the pressings, and it was like the middle of the night. I had to get up early the next morning and come to New York, and I put these pressings on and stood there in front of the speakers and listened to the whole record. I, I really like it. I really do too, man. And I always find it, it's one of the, the great relationships I think a fan can have with music is to get it and listen to it for a while and then finally start to think, oh, wait, I know where this song is going, you know? Mm-hmm. There, so many times I think people were so quick to rush 
and judge a record that we don't let it ride next to us in the car yeah. for a while. Yeah. You know. Well, I wanted to make a record that was that played without you having to listen to it at mm. all, without you really having to pay much attention. And and um, you know, I know some of my songs in the past have sort of clamored for your attention or like made you made, you, know, you have to listen to this if you're you, if you're going to listen. But I I think uh, this is one that I really I worked. Uh, almost the entire time just to make it play, just to make it feel good. And, um, and even to the point of like forgetting, I mean, I, I, we were, we were working on this song, If I Could Be Anywhere in the studio, and I was, I knew I needed to make this song urgent, but I needed to make it feel good. And at some point I stopped singing the song while we were tracking it and stopped playing, and, and the drummer, Jim Kelter, said, Oh, don't do that. We're listening, man. Don't, you know. Yeah. Don't stop singing, you know, because we're playing to you. And um, I realized then that as a drummer, you, you never give the drummer the props for being the guy that really knows what the song's about. Yeah. You think it's, it's a job to make it feel good, but he's doing ex he probably knows more about the song than anybody, and that's why he's the drummer. <laughs> he's a, you can't leave that to, the job to anybody because you can play a song in, 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 in any number of ways. So it's... It's really like the, I mean, it's the thing about that song that did that was the hardest to get to, to happen was that I wanted to feel like the ocean, but I wanted it to, also to, have a sense of urgency. And the and the way he did that is just, just I never could have asked somebody to do it. I never could have guessed that that's what it should, what it should be done. But he 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 delivered it. Do you think if if somebody would have told you, uh, when you were a kid? And just getting into music, did they? Did you think that you would be into it at this point in life, and still no. feeling that same <laughs> connection to it? You know? No, no. Yeah. But I, but I began to suspect that after a while. I mean, like after, after your, uh, you know, after you turn thirty, and like none of the predictions we, the, our generation yeah. made about turning thirty, you know, like turned out to be true. And it's just you cared as much about everything you cared about when you were young, if not more. Uh, you know, and you and and you find a way. I'm all the all the musicians I know that and that I work with. Practically every one of them has a family and and struggles to make uh, make a living as a musician and make that coincide with all the the uh, you know things like raising a family and being responsible that way. My my father said to me when I was about sixteen, he said, "You know, you're gonna you're gonna have to cut your hair. You're gonna have to actually have a job. You're gonna want a, a family, you know." And I looked at him and said, "Oh, I don't think so." Yeah. You know, it was like probably the most ungrateful thing I ever said to him. But no, I don't think I want to do that. But in the end, I didn't really, I didn't have to give up. You know my music to 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 have a family or to or to do any things I want to do. So I'm very grateful for that. But in the end, I, I don't think anybody does. I think I think the music itself is about being who you are. So why should it not be who you are as you change? No, I I I, I would. I think that's the amazing thing that so many. Let's say of the generations uh, before, a lot of those guys put the music away or on the back burner. But I think certainly a lot of people who became aware in the 60s and 70s have held on to yeah. a lot of that, you know? Yeah, well, there's certain kinds of playing, certain kind of music that are definitely the, you know, the province of the young. There's certain kinds of you know, rock right. and roll that has a kind of ex an exuberance and a power. But, 
that you, that may be hard to you know keep doing when you're when you're older. But I think what happens a lot of times, you know, we're making a record and saying, well, we need to find some old people to play this because I mean the old people know how to how to do it without you know I mean they know right. how to make it make it last. You find some of these old rock and rollers that are just as badass as they ever were. I mean Ian McLaughlin, you know, like a, as you know a player who yeah. was in in the faces and who was just a badass guitar being you know, a piano player is as badass as a as an as a piano players you ever want to find it in, in his later years you know but you know in so many ways you would expect that in craft you know what i mean like the craft any craftsman who did something for decades would get better at get it better at it, yeah. but we just never expected that because it was sold to us like it was youth culture right. we're right. like i remember we were sold like oh this is just something the kids are going through right. uh what's always amazing to me is like you hear uh let's say uh the long way around and there are definitely echoes for me of these days, you know, your song these days. And I think that, 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 that that's always the coolest thing. Well, that, that actually was really intentional. Like my, uh-huh. my son told me, oh, people are sampling the Nico version of these days and putting hip hop beat underneath it. I said, oh, that sounds like that would work. Yeah. And, um, the reason Nico's version was had this chimey guitar on top is it's the same way I played it. If I play, if I sang it, it would be in the, down at the bottom of the range of the guitar, you know, on the first fret. And to have a woman's voice do it as low as her voice was, you'd put the capo on the seventh fret and it'd be this chimey thing. And, um, I thought, well, if I, if I were going to use that in one of, the way I played it, I would have to actually write a different melody. So I did. I wrote a different song and it came out. It both, um, but it harkens back to the, that early time by simply saying, I don't know what to say about these days. Yeah. And well, well you, you wrote that so, these days. You wrote at what age? Right. 16. All right. So even lyrically, that's impossible. It's impossible not to. I mean, we sit and talk about I rewrote it when I was a few years <laughs> later. I actually, so a bunch of people recorded it before I did, and including Greg Allman. I, I took a lot from his version. But also... I also sort of edited out some of the stuff that was in that original version. And then I found that people, other people recording it and doing the original version, like Paul Westerberg did, yeah. did the Nico version. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to look at those verses again. And like, you know, I saw, and then, and then f- hilariously, Glenn Campbell cut it and it's unmistakably her version. So it's Glenn Campbell doing Nico. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> I mean, it was, they, but he took the strings that were put on that, that yeah. record, and he's not singing it like her, he's singing it like him, but it's the, it's the structure of the song in the particular. And everybody changes it. That, the most amazing thing that's just happened, I just got given this version of uh, these days, it was recorded by the, the rapper Absol. Mm-hmm. So Absol just recorded this rap over the over my version of these days, and he just—I mean, it's not like he just took parts of it or sampled it or turned it into a beats. You know, he didn't turn it into beats. He actually just raps over my record. <laughs> it's fantastic. You should hear it. I, see, that's the amazing thing too about a song that it kind of goes off and does what it wants to do. Yeah, I got to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there are things that that song could mean to us at one stage of our life. And then years later, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and you you go through that with some of these. I, I love this song, too, already on the album, which side, because I've been in that conversation so many right. times. That's what I wanted 
to to make happen in this song. I want it to be a conversation. I want it to be a question that one can ask oneself. Like, what side am I on? Like, what side? Are there? And I, so I went to the trouble of trying to delineate what those two, what I think the two sides are in really, you know, very, very stark terms. But also I, I, I realized that rather than, the, you know, preach or pontificate about it, I think I wanted the song to sound like the way you talk to your friend in the bar. Right. It's, 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 it's a, you know, you maybe it's something, and it felt good to me when we got the track because I thought, okay, I can yell over this, I can say this on top mm-hmm. of this, you know, this beat. So I was like trying to find the music that would work, that would make it, uh, make my harangue. Because if I did it in a quiet way, it would really seem like, like you know, like too much of an essay or too much of a harangue. Well, also, I don't think we can get too far in life now without not having some disagreements. Some of us feel the same way we felt when we were young. Other people turn much more conservative, and you find yourself going, but didn't we have the same experiences? How could you have ended up at this point? And it's almost like you just, you've you've got to somehow, like you do, I think with old friends, you've got to do the same thing that you do with family. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. let's at least find something we can right. agree on right you know yeah yeah i got 86 from a number of family dinners for it's, it happens <laughs> right when you can't say the thing to do is not to not to raise your voice not to like not to foul the commons of the dinner table you know but there is a um there's a great song uh written by my friend carlos varela called uh la politica no cabe en la azucarena Sucarera. It means it's, it basically says politics doesn't fit in the sugar bowl. And what it is is on, on every Cuban table, there's a sugar bowl in the middle. And what it means is that like, don't, don't talk about politics at the dinner table. You know, you mm-hmm. can't, they won't fit in here. Don't, let's not, let's not do it here. And it's a really popular song because it's in the rest of the song is exactly about all the stuff that people don't don't talk about he he's a good friend of mine and he wrote the song on this record called walls and doors which i translated into english so while that was a project of mine it's not a song that originated with me uh the first song that we played as you came in the birds of saint mark's you had written this song for the birds uh well, no, I read it. I wrote it. I wrote it for Nico, and I wrote it. Right? Wrote it for not for anybody but me to sing. But I, 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 I always thought that this is the way it should be played. I didn't know the birds at that moment in time, and uh, and by the time I, well, then they, then I met Crosby before the rest of them. But by the time I knew the birds, I forgot about the song. <laughs> I got it, and he wasn't in the birds anymore. I mean, there's probably a reason i didn't didn't remember the other thing is i the song was by the time by that time i didn't even think the song was finished because i'd gone through thinking i should rewrite this and i thought that because i thought this is is kind of young writing this is a little young by the time i was like 22 or three i was thinking this song's a little too young you know it doesn't and by the time i was about 40 or 50 i thought I like this song. This is pretty. This is a young. <laughs> yeah. I, li- I enjoyed the fact that it was from a young point of view. So a- after a while, I guess you start to feel about these songs the way you would anybody else's music. You you'll look at it as the music more than something that you created. You know. <laughs> well, this is a song that. Uh, 
could be played a number of different ways. I mean, when I, redis- when I rediscovered the song, it was because I was in an interview and I was talking about times that I spent in New York and I thought I don't got this song that I wrote about that time and I started playing on the piano because there wasn't a guitar handy. Also it doesn't sound good playing it on one guitar. Like acoustic guitar just sounds like it can't you can't get the feel of the you can't get the strength yeah. of the, the, the progression. And I, and I when I play on the piano I thought, Oh this is pretty good. This is better than I remember. This is maybe this is okay the way it is and I I kinda took the trouble of learning to play it. And then it got it got somebody asked for it because they saw that interview, and then so like, and then but years later they asked for it, and ten years maybe, you know. So I, I played it acoustically for like that way for a while, but I always wanted to hear it this way, the way I originally thought of it, because the the and the odd thing is, and no one would ever guess this about Nico, but she she liked the birds. She, she was, did like the birds. She was the, she really liked Roger McGuinn. You can play like Roger McQueen. I went, no, no, I can't. <laughs> Could you play something more like Roger McQueen? <laughs> no, I, not without you know a whole different musical upbringing. I mean, it, twelve string is no easy thing. Sure, An electric twelve string. I mean, some people there. Mike Campbell can do it. Peter Buck can do it. And then, uh, oddly to me, though, they always sound like Roger McGuinn. It's like if you well, when that, you do like, that particular thing to a twelve string, and that's yeah. why they did it on so many records. I remember Rick reading a McCartney interview where he said, "All right, already with the twelve string," you know, because <laughs> he was he thought the birds were great, except that they just kept doing that that one thing. That, but in, in fact, he did turn it around quite a bit. He like when he played uh, Eight Miles High. I mean, he completely changed the way that that instrument is played but he developed a thing and everybody who loves a 12 string like eventually like they they figure out um you know how he did it but they that doesn't mean that they can do it right and greg lease can do it so i i when i realized that he played great 12 string i found it out because he was playing he pulled out a 12 string and played on uh, the naked ride home i thought oh, oh that's really great i mean you have to i'm i'm not qualified because first place you have to be able to tune one <laughs> yeah right <laughs> And they're hard. They're hard to control, and have in tune. And then, then the, the thing that he invented actually is pretty indelible. Um, that's why, you know, the Heartbreakers have used them, you know, over the time, over time, and why Peter Buck has, and I'm sure there are other people, but it's a particular thing. And you do it with a compressor and with a distortion, with the, and also by changing the order that the strings are. What Roger did was he he made the high string mm-hmm. you know, like, like there's 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 twelve strings and there's six sets and each one is sort of has an octave you know and, and that high string he reversed where it was he put it so the pick hits the high string first and so it gets even more brilliant twang this high but yeah you know, I don't know how many people care about this but there's a way there's like that kind of thing is exactly what I involved myself with in making this record I thought like how we can make this how do we make this happen. What about all those records that you hear that, where the drums are playing, the snares are playing for us? Bop, 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 dop, 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 And I needed to have that happen on this record, and Jim Keltner was the guy, you know, but uh, on, on, on if, I, if I could be anywhere, I wanted to make that happen, but I'd never made a record that did that, and it was a big learning curve. And so that's what's always amazing. This, you know... At this point in your career, it's still fun to play around with those sounds because yeah. you get known it's, so much lyrically and from melody. Yeah, that I think would amaze people to yeah, know. I think I think that I'm more interested in how things are played now than I ever was, and I think what's going to happen lyrically happens anyway. Happens whether you do it 
I mean, but I used to be happy when the lyrics were finished. Matter of fact, the last record I made before this one, all during the writing uh, process, you, you things are coming together and records getting made, and then there are things, things that aren't finished. We're literally mixing the album. And on the last day of the mix, the last day that I've got Elliot Shiner in there to mix, I'm still in the other room writing the last verse to the last song. And every now I come in and I say, it's coming, I'm gonna, I'll be like, like, just, just like order lunch. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be in there, like, literally sat there for three hours in the middle of a mix, which is, the mix is like a souffle. You should not take, <laughs> take a lot of time off in the middle, you know. And, and, yeah, okay, yeah, we got it, you know. And, and in the end I walk in and, and some of my favorite lyrics actually were written right there at that last, the moment that the door is closing to finish the album. But what I realize is that the songs are gonna become, they're gonna say what they have to say. The writing is kind of a process that goes on all during the making of the record. But I might not make the best record of it unless I really, really try. I mean, I have to, I have to cross-examine myself. I have to listen to it because, because I am so kind of content when this, when, when I've, with the lyrics and what I've said that I think, well, any number of versions of this, this is great. I like this. Any number of approaches to this song are going to be good. But no, no, no. Actually, there's probably a definitive way of doing the song, and you should find it. And the only way you're going to find that is to be in that one moment, though, right? Well, you, when you make a record, you try to find that definitive version. You try to f answer all these questions, and, and I hang on for a long time. Like, I, I tracked some of these songs and then continued working on them, overdubbing. But, then, but that process is very much like the way I wrote Long Way Around, which was to make a loop. Mm -hmm. I made a loop of the of the guitar part I mentioned before the the sort of chiming you know the guitar part from from these days and uh, and then I started playing some other instruments and I edited them and I had some other people come in and play different things I had this great bass player come in and he oh man he was, I knew he would do it and he was really, this guy Alex Al is such a great player and he's he was from Michael Jackson's band and he also uh, Arsenio Hall program. I know him. I knew him from playing with a gospel uh, choir that I worked with, and he and he was this very playful bass player. He could play. They had that really. You know, it was almost like the Wilton Felder "I Want You yeah. Back" part, which you know, if I could bite that, I would. You know, if it wasn't like that, they should have copyrighted that along with the song. But anyway. Yeah, there's a way in which things get played that excites me more than it, than it used to. I used to be just sort of happy when the lyrics were done. Uh, well, you know, when you and your show, you never do a, a set list, right? Or rarely do a, a true set list? I, I have to when I'm playing with the band. There has to be some kind of a, you know, just because there's so many different instruments to go to. We, we have to know what's coming. But... I've seen you take requests halfway through shows. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that if the band's... Man, with the band, we know an awful lot of songs. Yeah. I have had bands where there are people in the band that go, don't do that. Don't, <laughs> yeah. stop. And when you do that, that really throws me off. Don't do it. And and um, But I'm not playing with any of those guys right now. You know, The truth is that some guys need to... The, the keyboard is sometimes my, there are programs or something he's going to mm -hmm. be able to get to. Sometimes I, if I do have to make a set list, I'll, I'll go to everybody. It's a lot of work to make a set list. You have to go to everybody and say, can this, will, will you be able to get from that song to that song? And can you like, but if you play by yourself or, there, or, if, or if there's, there aren't those kinds of, you know, uh, requirements of the band, you know, you can kind of play whatever you want. Uh, the album is standing in the breach. And as I said, uh, it is 
an, an album that it comes to you uh, the way that I grew up listening to music, you know, that there was so many times that you would get an album and you would, that would be your album for a while that you right. could just play over and over and start to wonder like what songs are going to stay with you, maybe even for the rest of your life. It's, and you listen to whole records, you listen yeah. to everything cycle through because... Yeah, uh, yeah you're not jumping from one to the other, you let right. it cycle through and you start to feel that, you know, relationship and... um it was enough of a complication that you had to get up after side one and turn over the record, <laughs> yeah. rather than. But if you start, if you were skipping, you would only do that once or twice. If you actually like pick up the needle and put it on the yeah. you know, cut three or, or do that over and over again, we just didn't do that. Consequently, you wind up. You might you might think you remember your favorite songs from some Dylan record. You know, you think, yeah. oh, it's this one and this this one and that one. So I started to make a a, a, a mixtape for a younger friend of mine that I wanted to hear my favorite songs from, and then you. You realize, oh, well, but this is amazing, this song, this one that's between my two favorites. Because right. you heard that one as many times as you heard your favorites. Yeah. And, 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 and now that particular song resonates with you more than it did then for, for some reason. You've grown. Or, that's the great thing about music is you can have your reasons for loving a song and then hear the song like way down the line and you go... Oh my God! I didn't even know what this was about before. Now, it's, yeah, you know, now you've grown up into it. Like yeah. I said, there's so many songs as the years go by. You're like, um, I'm at the age that this song was written for, yeah. or you know, because I think <laughs> this is guy, you know that guy, that author Nick Hornby. Yeah, he was writing about some of my music and one of his uh, in, in that uh, I think it's called Thirty One Songs or something. I'm not yeah. Sure, but, he said, you know, when I was when I was in my 20s, I didn't want to take it easy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that is true, though, right? It yeah. is. There's certain points of your life. But that's the thing about music as well as it's the fans, I think, affect music. At first, I used to think it just had to do with being at the concert and how people felt. Yeah. But now I think just the act of listening to music it's changing something inside yourself that I don't know if any of the pharmaceutical companies could catch up yeah. with it, you know? If they could, they would sell it back to us. But, yeah. yeah. But there, there are certain days that, you know, you think to yourself, well, I, I always believe that people have certain albums that just saved their life, whether they were conscious oh, yeah. of it or not. Um, and they'll, they'll come in at different points. But that's why I would love to see... Um, that connection to music that happened again, and like in the time that that we grew up, you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of what we at, what we got from music in in the in those like really seminal times, like mm -hmm. the '60s and early '70s, like it was like guidance. There was a kind of guidance that it wasn't it wasn't happening in church anymore, or wasn't happening in school, or there was we were kind of felt that we were on our own, you know. And that these things that the issues that were that we were faced with were coming up in the songs that we listened to, and and it was it wasn't as you were really gonna take life's lessons from Bob Dylan. More more, it was just a way of or or the Beatles. It was just a, a knowing that there was somebody else going through this, and it kind of united us in a really great way. And I, I think it I think it does now too, except that it's. Very fragmented because every it's so there are so many different niches. You know, mm -hmm. there, there, everything is like a separate slice of 
you know, and, a, and approach to, to living. It used to be that we were, everybody heard everything. Mm-hmm. Everything that became, you know, it was played on the radio. With, I mean, really diverse stuff. It would be, you know, one, one minute they'd be playing, you know, what's going on, or the next thing it would be like, you know, it would be like Leslie West, you know, on Mountain or something. Sure. So there were all these different approaches to music, and each of these bands was also exploring the traditional music and music of the past at the same time they're moving forward. There'd be the moment in time where the Stones discovered country. Yes. Or the moment when the Beatles, you know, like em- employed classical instruments, you know, and that was that was like a signpost for everybody. Like, to, like they, a lot of people followed suit and got involved and in, like people heard, you know, country music, you know, like influencing the Stones and then went deep into, to, you know, country music themselves. So it's almost in a way that too many choices you know what i mean almost too much choice keeps us from sharing but the choice is great isn't it i gotta say i'll just say sirius has been amazing yeah to be able to to be able to cycle through the different stations in my car and go oh you know and just like it's amazing how many there are and then how many different uh you know different programs are on on each of these different uh programs but I I still get so much from tuning into you know odd odd DJs in the middle of the night or something. Yeah, I still had like this amazing night listening to like uh, music. I had to I had to I had to make a trip across town in the middle of the night. I had to go. I'll go get it. I knew I left it. I know where I left it. And I go and I spend like an hour going back and forth. And I found this station. So it was some station i don't normally listen to and that's what it wasn't on my regular car and the sirius wasn't there i didn't go to my 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 go-to mm-hmm. two or three stations and i found a station that was playing this really odd demented country music it was not only had a couple of really old deep cuts rose maddox and and mm-hmm. uh and merle haggard or something but then it also had some new bands. I could tell it was a young drummer because he wasn't doing what country drummers do. He was like, this guy had been in some indie bands. Yeah. It was like, and it was it completely turned the country around. And there was some you know, some some guy's late night take on the music that uh, that he loved. And and I think it's I think it's still a, I think music st- still works on people this, you know, the way it always has, which is that somebody turned some somebody's turning you on. Right. But I also think that that what you heard was some strange DJ saying, here's some songs I like, here's how I think they're connected. Right. And that's the way we yeah. fell in love. Yeah. That it wasn't so much programmed and laid out there. Mm-hmm. It had to be put out where sometimes it's not going to work, just like a good concert. Good yeah. concert, you're like, I love this, I love this. Sometimes this shit fell apart, <laughs> you know? And that's, exactly. that's the risk you take. Um, standing on the Breach... Uh, Jackson Brown, thank you so much uh, for stopping in here today, too, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I'll see you next time coming through. All right. Thanks, man. Though the earth may tremble And our foundations crack We will all assemble And rush to save the lives remaining Still within our reach Try to put our world together Standing in the breach So many live in poverty While others live as kings 
some may find peace in the acceptance of all that living brings. But I will never understand, however they've prepared, how one life may be struck down and another life be spared. May tremble and cast our works aside. And though our efforts resemble the fluctuating tide, we rise and fall with the trust and belief that love redeems us each. And bend our backs and hearts together, standing in On Raw Dog. Comedy Hits. Channel 99. Who's bouncing in here? Tyrone Jeffrey Gurian. Best party song ever in the history of music. Do you believe that to this I day? I do, man. That song gets people going. Even as old as it is, people still jump around when they hear that song. <laughs> you cannot look. Look at my guest today jumping. <laughs> you cannot stay still when you hear that song. Tell everybody who brought with you today. I brought in a very exciting guest. This guy's blowing up, man. He's going to be in a new Spike Lee movie next week. He's on Nick Cannon's Wild and Out, uh, Centrix, according to him and her. And I just saw him really blow it up at the mixtape show. My boy Rip Michaels is here. Rip Michaels in the house. Yeah. That's my fault. I swear to God, every time I'm in a white club and I walk in, they be like, jump around. Or baby got back. They be like, I got you. Right for you, Rip. I like it, folks. I'm still over here dancing. I haven't heard in a while. You just did a Spike Lee film? We're doing it. It's called yeah. A Lucky Guy. It's featuring Brandon T. Jackson, Adam Devine, and a couple other stars in it. They start shooting next uh, two weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Exact- executive produced by Spike Lee, yeah. Um, and you believe in Jeffrey Gurian and his jump yes. around thing. You think he he's got a this jump whole Miami Vice thing, dude? I you love it. Really I are love it. Today. It's like Miami Vice. Doom, yeah, doom, 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 doom. Like it's cold, but it's still open. It's and awesome. The, the thing is, we're past uh, wearing white season, right? Yeah, but that doesn't that's cream, to me. Though, But hold up, I will. Oh, oh, that is cream. That, you know that's what? Off white. It's like Obama, <laughs> Obamish. Now, now, Fez, do you see that as cream? Because you know, I have a couple different. I have weird color blindness. Yeah, it's a cream with color certain thing. things. Like I'll see dark blue and black is exactly the same so it was only like a couple years ago that i i didn't i always thought that the chicago bears wore black jerseys we were blue blue and orange yeah i'm, I, I'm from I chicago could all day. never see that really? in my eyes yeah Those even are the after, colors of two so that's kind of cool that you like black bears though <laughs> <laughs> it is but that is a nice two and all color yeah, blue and nice. orange yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i love black bears I'm, a, I'm not here to start no trouble i'm just here to do the super bowl shuffle we only we don't person had a record i don't know if y'all remember One that of, we went platinum with that song and they've never lived it down have they no. they've no. all they're still embarrassed about it now there was uh, i remember the phillies did a thing I don't know what that. I mean, they might have called it Philly's Fever back in the late seventies, where I think the Super Bowl Shuffle ripped them, ripped them off a little bit. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 
um, because they basically bounced around in a, almost a Jeffrey Graham white guy way, you know. Just <laughs> but Jeffrey, you claim that you're you're one of the best dancers. I don't know. World. I never said one of the best. I said you I like hip hop. I said dancers. I can definitely. I can see. I it, can get, definitely yeah. get down to hip hop. I cannot. Move, I can't dance unless it's hip hop. No woman to me. Where your disco that music speaks to me, man. That Were you a disco guy back in the day? Yeah, I was in every club that ever opened in Manhattan, man. Yeah, he is. From back in he was the a day. Club, Studio Fifty Four. Yeah, China cocaine on his nose. Every 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 club that ever opened. Serious, I've been. There's no club in Manhattan that's ever opened that you haven't been. Well, to. Well, so the smaller ones probably. I mean, when clubs first started, Undine's, the club that was under the 59th Street Bridge. I, I mean, I've been on the club scene for a long time. You know, people told me that the Upper East Side, like First Avenue, used to be the hot strip. Uh, and club, now it's you know, pretty dead. Well, Arthur was on 54th Street, actually. Yeah. Uh, there, there was like a lot of clubs. I don't remember what them being Plato's on First Retreat? Avenue. Were you in Plato's Once. Retreat? Once. Now this was just open sex the whole time that you were in there. All How many people? I just one time, and I was afraid to eat the food. They had crazy rooms. They had mat rooms and yeah. shit. Like you could just go and just chill and watch people, and it was it was pretty bizarre, man. You know, it was pre-AIDS, and once yeah, AIDS happened, everyone was like, "That's that was it. not an enjoyable it thing." For, no, it was too scary. I mean, but even I mean, then, I mean, there was I mean, like a Disneyland, pool, like a sexy Disneyland, I mean, yeah, adult Disneyland. That sounds crazy. Somebody need to open that back up. What was that? But were you seeing a lot of people? having sex that you wouldn't naturally want to see have yes sex. exactly yeah in the yeah. mat room like you would want to like turn away but there was a buffet there that's what I remember there was like salad and <laughs> shit and I'm like I'm not eating that <laughs> like wow. I didn't want to know what was in the salad dressing you know what I mean you don't want to go there are these peaches fresh there's just people pounding on the floor yeah, next exactly. to you talk about crab legs I'm and, there was a, <laughs> and there was a pool too there was a swimming pool you yeah. didn't want to go in there for sure and yet people dove in and yeah, they had sex yeah people were chilling and hanging out, doing the whole thing, and it was it's a weird memory. A now, did you go ago. with a check or did well, you? Well, absolutely. You can't go by yourself. Oh, is that right? Yeah, you can't those just kind go of walking places in you can't because every guy in the buddies. world would just show up. <laughs> you got to have some credibility. So, yeah. if you, you can't the, get a check to go, you're not getting. Did in. you and the check do anything? I don't remember. I mean, we probably did something. But you, know, you, you didn't want to. You didn't find I it never. even slightly a turn on though, because it was no. It was too weird for me. Yeah. it was too weird. I basically like privacy. I'm not an exhibitionist. Mm. I I'm like somebody just sitting here listening to the story. Like, right. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more about the rabbits, George. <laughs> I like. I like. I really. I appreciate privacy. I'm not. You know. I don't like putting on a show for people. What do you like that? You like no. I've never been. Sex? I've never been to such a place. No, so. but just in general, you like public sex. Pubic sex. Pubic I'm sex. more of a fan of pubic sex <laughs> pubic than public sex. I walked in on Shelby and Fez one day, and that was uncomfortable. You haven't, wow. yeah, you haven't been the same since. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed that change about you. But you went from your winter scarf the other day back into the wife beater. Because i got to keep summer going, man. Yeah. It's like, you know, the weather's changing, but it doesn't mean you have to change your look. I try to keep this going all winter if I can. Mm. I do my best. I just put on a lot of scarves and okay. keep the shirt open. That's all. Yeah. Hey, well, you're better than me. I, we all bundled up. Everybody else yeah, all sick in the studio. We got on, I, I feel hot now. Like, you yeah. like, keep summer live. Got your chest there. I got the little Italian chains. Well, one desert. guy, yeah. One, one guy, the guy got over there, Chris, I put him behind glass so he couldn't be near anyone. You look like a check cashing window. He's got yeah, it, is. <laughs> it is. Like a pale manic. I feel like I just. <laughs> He's got Ebola, right? I hope not. No, I hope not. He has either. something bad, though. Yeah, that's I'm not terrible. bleeding out of my eyes yet. 
But you know, did you see forward. Evil Uh-oh. Dick from Big Brother got HIV? Yeah, I, I I saw that blew my mind. Yeah, y'all got me here with the I Am Legend cast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's scary shit. Some guy came down with Ebola and he went through Texas, and now they're saying first they say he wasn't in touch with anybody. Now they say there could be twenty people that he came yeah. into contact with. It's fucked up. Next thing you know, man. Well, next thing you know, you'll hear that he just ate bad shrimp. Yeah, hopefully he's fine. They, he, they released him, didn't they? Didn't they release the guy? Yeah, they released him into a crowd. Yeah. <laughs> into the Cowboys Stadium. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They released him into a crowd. Now, you, uh, you, do you have the... Oh, yeah, you do have the fears, because you travel around I with travel a with chick. Purell hanging on my belt. Yeah. Not fears, just like... You shake a lot of people's hands. Yes, I do. So, you know, don't you, like, clean... You know, I carry this shit. People make fun of it. I have a little thing of Purell. Who makes fun of you? It reminds me of Lucian. Lucian used to carry from the comics. He used to have yeah. these leather black gloves, and he would do the weirdest thing in the world. He shake well, hands. Well, that was part of his look. It was like yeah. this, no matter how hot he had leather black gloves, a great set rip. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I felt like I signed a death contract. I was like, what the hell is going on with these? He should have been wearing like a cloak and yeah. one of those curved pipes, like from Sherlock Holmes. That would have been yeah, perfect. It was really creepy. Yeah. Very creepy. Very, he was a cool very unusual guy. Very unusual guy. But uh, yeah, Purell, because you shake hands with a lot of people. You know, I see people. They cough, they sneeze in their hand, and the next thing you know, they're going to shake your hand. They don't even think twice about it. Well, I was yelling at Chris for coming in. Look, he can barely even stand up now. Yeah, he looks bad. And I'm like, we have so many different radio stations in here. You'll sweep through, you'll take out some of the most famous uh, DJs in history that are all here. You can't do that. Well, he's, he's loyal. I guess it's because he's loyal. He wanted to show up for the show. That is awesome. I think it's dedication that he wanted to come here and give yeah, Michael sick. That's cool. That's home. great. I, could, <laughs> I need some sick days. I have no health plan, no health insurance. It's great, it's great for me. <laughs> so, uh, and Fez, on the other hand, he's having heart problems. So as soon as the show's over today, you're going to go get really. I'm sorry. To yeah, hear. yeah. Well, somebody broke your heart. Or are you seriously heartbroken? Really? He's had how many heart attacks now? Four. Oh so we're no longer even, you know, it's no longer even a big deal. It's wow. like, yeah, so y'all desensitized now? It's like, yeah. it's, I thought my grandma was watching. She had four heart attacks. She had five actually. She was like, I did it again. I'm alive. I was like, look, I'm not going to keep coming down here. You better be dead one of these times. I'm telling you. Yeah, I can't keep saying I'm he shakes him off, yeah. man. He shakes him off. Yeah. I never saw anybody do that. Well, it's just a heart attack. He had his chest split open and he was smoking a cigar and eating a donut. No, no, no. Come in. I'm not busy. Wow. Come on in. He's watching TV with you. You know, it just doesn't bother you anymore. But I think you can see that he's got like, it's almost like a tombstone tan that I'm calling it. And it's crazy to me, but look, even your mustache looks like it's... He looks healthy. Like yeah, he's got color. I thought he dyed his mustache, actually. It looks like a 310 to Yuma type. Huh? It's like... It's, it's <laughs> the mustache very, is healthy. Uh, Yo Sammy <laughs> Sam. It's very Yo Sammy <laughs> Sam. It is. The mustache ever, is alive yeah, and well. My complexion, I shouldn't have this after Labor Day. Why? No, you it's look too like you have pale. Color. It's too white. See, no. and I think you look like you have. You got color. a nice, like red undertone, like a, you know, he maybe does, Native right? American. That's blood pressure. He's got oh, color. I, th- I was okay. I thought he was half Indian or something, or Puerto um, Rican. <laughs> yeah, he's Puerto like... Rican with a mustache. <laughs> 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 Puerto Rican Tim McGraw. I don't you know. want to do your seventy Sam Halloween costume? <laughs> just get it bright orange. Do the big eyebrows. No, you don't have to do anything. You just got to go out there. No, trust me. Just go out carrying two guns. Yeah, there you go. Oh, don't not New York. Not New York. Yeah, not New York. Maybe Memphis. when you were a kid, did you think it was Yo's Mite, Sam? 
No, I never <laughs> read the name. I only saw it on TV. Yo, my Yo, Well, I thought bologna was bologna, and I used to ask my mother to get me bo- the the bologna type of bologna. <laughs> I used to think my mother used to think intimate cake meant entertainment cakes. Because <laughs> she was just an idiot. I was just like, hey, get some entertainment cakes. I'd be in the store for hours trying to find that shit. Like, they can't find Have some entertainment cakes. Like, Where's the entertainment cakes? Like, <laughs> There's a picture of Bob yeah. Hope on the front yeah. of it. With his Come on, five hours later, it's like, mom, all they had is intimates. This is entertainment cakes. I was like, <laughs> never gonna want a spelling bee. <laughs> And yours was Bologna, and what else? Bologna, bologna. And I, well, I was a very poor eater as a kid, and I would hardly eat anything, and I liked bologna. So my mother would tell me, I'm getting you the bologna kind, and I would eat it. Out of all the food <laughs> in the world, the it was strip? only bologna for you? Yeah, that was what I liked for some reason. I was like a poor eater as a kid. They couldn't get you me You know to what eat. it is? When you're a kid, your taste buds are just too good. You know what I mean? Like, every taste explodes. I was too busy to eat as a kid. I did a lot of... I was always jumping around my whole life. I was too busy. Eating was like like a waste of time for me. Like kindergarten clubs? I'm going to hit seven play dates tonight. He's like, That's I, I right. don't want to have time for Cheerios. Yeah. <laughs> Just make me orange juice, Mom. I don't want to have time for this. How long do you spend in each club, Jeffrey? It depends on what's happening. If I'm having yeah. fun, I usually try to never stay more than an hour. You know, like even usually, at a comedy club. No, a comedy club. I'll stay if you know. Sometimes I'll come. Like it depends on how many things are happening in one night. Sometimes I'll just go in and see the headliner. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, I like to see the whole show if I can. There are there are nights when I have to jump out, man, and just like and get like half hour, forty five minutes of the show. You know, they usually tell me what the lineup is, and then I choose who I want to go see. Like last night, I went to see T.J. Miller. Mm-hmm. And he had a bunch of people on who were friends from Chicago. So Hannibal Burris was there. So I wanted to make sure that I saw them, you know. And it was a great show. Good friend of mine. Very funny. And he, Hannibal? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to do big. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's doing huge things, man. I thought I was like, oh, okay, well, I got to step it up because I'm nowhere near that. <laughs> yeah, I think he told me <laughs> November 7th. I think he's doing the New York Comedy Festival, the Town Hall or something. Yeah. Big show, big show, yeah. But Rip, everybody's talking about you too, man. I'm having fun. I, yeah. This has been a great year for me. At first, it started off with me winning the 2013 Barrier Black Comedy Competition. Then I wrote, I wrote for Wild and Out, a couple of comedians on Wild and Out last year, and now I'm a cast member this year. And I had the most uh, viewed and the highest moment of MTV2 this year on Wild and Out, the, uh, the episode I did. So, That's cool. Uh, yeah, and then I got a Courtney, him and her. We went on our third season of that, uh, and I'm just uh, now hosting stand-up comedy hood for Netflix, which we shoot December 13th in New York. Cool. So that's going to be absolutely huge. I'm just having fun, man. It's been a great amazing? year. And lost a lot of weight this year. That was yeah. cool. Oh, did you lost, really? Yeah. yeah, I used to be 325. So yeah. wow. wow. Yeah, I know, right? It was 325. You that look at my is... picture like a year ago. How'd you do it? Uh, it started because I went to Six Flags and I was with my daughter for the first time because I'm a single father. I don't know if yeah. I told y'all, but I have yeah. full custody of my daughter for the last six years. She lives with me, and her mother lives in Orlando. So we were at Six Flags. And at 325 pounds, you are not capable of riding a roller coaster. And they don't tell you. There's no sign. So I'm yeah. sitting on a roller coaster, and they're pushing the thing on my chest. I'm like, uh, yeah. So the guy comes down. It's like five kids pushing it on your chest, and they all look at each other. There's two roller coasters behind you, and it's a line of people. And they're like, uh, sir, it must close. And that's their way of telling you you're a bear, and you have to get off because these rides are for humans. So I had to go to Six Flags and watch my daughter ride every single ride by herself. And her try not to act like she was having a good time. But every time you go past the little camera, you see my daughter like, wee! 
the yeah. best time ever. I'm like, how was it? It was okay. It was, yeah. it was okay. But that that changed my whole the whole life. I just like I gotta I gotta be around to enjoy life with my daughter. So that kind of sparked it. To me, maybe like six seven months to and do it. How did you do it? Um, I actually started exercising with my daughter first. Got a mm-hmm. um, sign of fitness membership. We start going and I start eating right and just you know she was motivating me. There's nothing more motivating than seeing a little ten year old girl weird, right next though, to because you. Because you look cut. You know, I yeah, like you a do. lot of people they lose weight and they get that kind of saggy look. Oh no, I don't want to look like that. I made sure yeah. I was putting the weight and the weight training in it as well too. Yeah. So yeah, and you did it yourself. You trained yourself. Yeah, I, yeah, I trained myself. Uh, but you know, Planet Fitness has their own little trainer dude, but it's not really a trainer. I don't know if you went there. It's like the Greyhound bus of gyms. Like it's everybody, there. <laughs> <laughs> I seen a baby give birth on on, on the treadmill. I was like, this is really creepy. Is someone selling crack by the freeway? This is, this is really creepy. And I go to one home, but yeah, yeah this is a lot of motivation for that. So, so you did it all in a year. About seven months, maybe six and a half months. Wow, because I took a month off. It's amazing. Yeah, it was fun. Amazing. That is really really incredible. Did I tell you how I almost ruined his show? His set on the (laughs) mixtape? I'm backstage. You know, at the Gotham, there's like an alleyway where you take pictures from. So I'm always back there and I'm shooting people on stage. And I make sure to turn off my flash. But what I don't realize is that when you turn off your flash, a red light emanates from the camera. So he's on stage. He's killing it. And I'm taking pictures, and he thinks he's getting the red light. Oh, my God. <laughs> so he's thinking to himself, I think I'm doing good. Why are they giving me the red light? Unbelievable. And he, and he ends his set early. But I said it on stage because it's flashing. It's just not like one red light. So I'm like, because I used to do the Fat Tuesdays with uh, DJ Envy. He has a show here, too. Uh, and we used to do Fat Tuesdays with Power 105. And we used to do it every Tuesday. And when they would get so mad because ours was right before Comic Juice. So they would go and get the comics to leak the little red light and be like this and just start flickering. So when I'm looking, I'm like, wow, to get that, I must have really done something wrong. I was like, I feel like I just got up here. I was like, I guess I must have offended somebody and said something wrong. I guess I, I was like, okay, well, uh, I got the light. So I don't know what I did. But... Let me say, uh, all right, that's it. Because they it. was only three minutes, though. <laughs> three, three minutes, minutes short. Yeah. short. <laughs> so I get, I get yelled at. As soon as I get off stage, I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, what? You gave me the light. He was like, no, then the light is above your head. I was like, uh, yeah, but what was you flickering in the back for? What was that about? Because he has like a Terminator 2 eye. Remember yeah. when Terminator 2, the yeah. eye, when it was just red? So it's just like, ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm taking it too far. It's time to go. <laughs> so I was like, I didn't know if my daughter was outside. I don't know what was happening. <laughs> it seemed like something all hell broke. Fortunately, we had a good laugh about it. Yeah, but I like you said I almost ruined his set. You did ruin his set, Jeff. No, but he had a, you couldn't ruin that set. It was such a strong set. It was amazing. Wow, I'm looking at these pictures, and it's a phenomenal difference. Well, you've lost 130 pounds here, but you also lost... About fifteen years. Oh, thank you very much. Now, I, I don't that. know. He said I look like I used to look like Morgan Freeman. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I I have no idea how old you are. But 34. can I are see you it? really? Yeah, can I see. Because it looks oh like God. you. Wow. It looks like you went from about forty-five to twenty-eight. Wow. You know, well, thank it looks you. like you lost See? a couple decades. That See? is a drastic change. That and it's funny amazing. because I was a big guy that liked big girls, and it's the yeah. weirdest thing in the world because big girls don't like big guys, so I never got played. So now this is just a total difference. The weird part about losing weight to me, honestly, is that people come up to you and they ask you, oh my God, don't you feel so much better? How do you feel? Uh, hungry. Uh, <laughs> 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 you make an elephant look like a giraffe, he's going to be starving. <laughs> I don't care what, ugh, dieting is hard. Spinach does yeah. not taste like dominoes. I'm telling you that right no, now. Walnuts and Snickers are not the same thing. It's just ah. a total different. But that's amazing. When someone takes control of their lives and makes a choice like that, 
You got to really give yourself props for that. That's I got to give it to my yeah. daughter. I really got to give that to my daughter. Um, she How old did is that. She? My daughter's ten, and she literally used to get me up and take me to the to the gym and see my little daughter go on a uh, elliptical, barely being able to touch the pedals and the thing at the same time holding on to the bottom like this. That that that's did really it. sweet, man. That, that's that really nice. That did it. That's a good story. But it's just amazing because most people stay the way they are for their whole lives, and then every once in a while somebody decides to really go out of the way and make a change, and then you fucking own that. I mean, that's it's amazing. The whole rest of your life is different because of it. I feel like you're trying to put me like a pressure cooker while I'm supposed to cry. Like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just didn't even give my voice. I was like, oh, my mom was on crack. We made it out to projects today. He left the apartment in his car. He had a crazy story. When he came to New York, he was homeless. You really are going for the sob story here, yeah. Jeff. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm just hanging else? out, having what, fun. Got a dreary as hell. No, I'm <laughs> impressed by this. His heart is hurting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. He's sneezing over there. It's a terrible moment. I'm like, so this is Christmas, oh. and what? This is <laughs> what can we do next? Let's put on a Sarah McLaughlin song. It's getting sad. But he's right. I was homeless. I was homeless for a year in New York. I just wanted to know if I was fa- uh, if I was funny enough to be a comedian. So I wanted to test my talents and see if I could live off of comedy. So yeah, I used to actually be homeless. Um, like literally homeless homeless like on the streets selling uh, train swipes uh, uh-huh. for a dollar to eat like that was my thing because you had to wait 18 seconds so I would get two metro cars and like oh I made a dollar then another dollar <laughs> I would do that every day for like make four or five dollars and get some Chinese food it was fun and where'd you sleep at night just uh, I slept in the parks a lot of times and yeah. um, I had a ballet membership because you know when I, I went to college at Purdue and when I got out uh, I always had a ballet membership like a lifetime ballet membership so mm-hmm. I just went to Bally's and worked out. I was always there. I read his book and read so many I, so many books, uh, Barnes yeah. and Nobles, and just stayed at Bally's. I used to literally go like four times a day. They must have thought I was the most dedicated person <laughs> in the world. But I'm sleeping on an elliptical. I'm, just like, <laughs> I'm sitting in the corner just. You well, know. you always had a place to shower. That was yeah. good. Yeah, and, and kept my uh, kept my um, laundry in there. Now, did the did the club owners know that you were homeless? I just or? think they thought I was the most dedicated gym member ever. Like yeah. I was just always there, like for five six hours at a time. Did the other comics? Know Know that you didn't have a place oh to stay. Oh my God! Or? Yes, uh, this comedian named Kareem Green. I never forget it because uh, I, you know, I didn't know New York, so I would tell people they'd be like, "Oh, I'm gonna drop you off," and I'd be like, "Okay, well, drop me off over here. I live over here." And then one day he was like, uh, "You live over here on Madison Avenue, and I'm sleeping." Pretty wealthy. He was like, "Put it over here. It's right next to the park." And I'm like, "He was like, it's, tell me where you live at, because this is getting ridiculous. You always got that book bag. What's in that book bag?" And I had this huge book bag full of clothes. And it was just like like three Conway pants and three shirts because yeah. that's all you ever needed. The guys, a couple pair of pants, some different shirts, and got a different outfit. And he dropped me. I was like, all right, man, I actually live in this park. This is where I sleep at. And the guards was so cool because um, they used to let me sleep and they would wake me up before their shift was over with. So it was, it was really cool. He and went, then Kareem saw that he started making so much fun of me and he let me stay um, in his apartment. But he took me from the park to Queensbridge Project. So it was pretty much uh, the same kind of danger. <laughs> yeah, <but right>. was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I went from a comfortable. Uh, a park bench to a weight bench in a project for four people. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know which is worse, but it's warm, so it's like, a, it's cool. That's an amazing story. Is that though, a great man. story? Yeah. It's just that you know, but it actually That's it turned out good. My it. comic, my <laughs> comedy took off. Christina Milian put me in my first movie. I did Love Don't Cost the Thing with her and Nick Cannon. Um, her mom and Carmen they was so nice to me, and I used to do warm up for MTV for so many years. Like it was a lot of fun. 
So it all feels like a positive to you. It, it really was. There was no place that you were like negative about like, what the fuck is happening? What am I going to get mine? No, because my entire life since I was nine years old, that's all I wanted to do. That was it. And no one, you know, I come from a, my mother from the South. She's like, the, if you ever seen a Popeye's commercial, that's kind of how my mom is. You're going to be right so she would never let me uh, this was no future in that like ever yeah. so she wouldn't even let me participate in any kind of way anytime I tried to do it she would stop it and be like you just now you're going to college and all that so it was the first time in my life I made a decision to do something I wanted to do because I wasn't afraid of my mom anymore I was like finally I'm, t- I'm taller than her and I'm, my chest is bigger <laughs> I was like you can't hurt me so I told her and she was like don't you ever call here again I feel like Ray when his mom when he fell on the thing and he's like ain't nobody gonna help you boy you blind <laughs> everybody feel sorry for you so and then, then I just kept going at it so so she didn't talk to you because you followed your own path yeah because yeah. I actually took the LSAT and I was about to go to law school and I was just like if I go then I'm not going to ever be a comedian because that door is going to close sure that door is going to close and then so I just had to do it if I didn't do it right at that moment I was never going to come so I got off the Greyhound bus and first stop was Hamburger Harry's handing yeah. out flyers yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with Gladys that was Gladys Simon's yeah. thing the first thing I did now does your family think it's great what you're doing yes or? Yeah. now we all cool and everybody's all forgiven and now my mama fries chicken and it's all good and yeah. <laughs> she's like oh people they love your show did you see my baby show it's so funny got 11 jokes and it's like <laughs> oh it's all it's, it's fun now Chris we need to break here? Yeah, we take a break. All right, we're going to take a commercial break. Can you guys hang out a little bit? Love to. Absolutely. Rip Michaels is in studio with us with Jeffrey Gurian from ComedyMattersTV.com. Rip, uh, you can see him on MTV2 on Wild and Out. Then he's also going to be a part of Nick Cannon Presents the Comedians of Wild and Out. That starts in January on Twitter at Rip Michaels. We'll be right back. It's Rana Fest Show. hanging out here for the next hour. You know, uh, Rip was loving the outro that you gave him there, Fez. Uh-huh. I thought you went into, like, a little soft. I'd like to see you really... Oh, really? But yeah, because he liked hearing I really liked, his I was, I was so impressive. Like, it makes you sit back on your life and you go, wow, I feel like I was getting an award. But you know what? This is a professional here, and I think the next one that he does could even come in a little higher. Wow, I, really I, mean, be- I must record that. I, I really believe that. It, well, next thing he's going to be like, are you ready? Let's get ready for Rumble. <laughs> <Yeah, I> mean, <laughs> 
do you know, win in. Do you know that that guy, if you do that in radio, like if you use it as a promo, lawsuit comes like that. Oh, yeah. He owns that phrase. So a lot of radio stations would use it, and boom, they get a cease and desist wow. in a heartbeat. Any TV commercials. He owns the phrase, uh, ready to rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. Michael Buffer, is that? Yeah. Michael Buffer. Yeah, that's why they just started paying him to show up. Just yeah, you just show up. Better off showing up doing it. Yeah, (laughs) but it's really weird because people now think if he's there, it's a big deal. People are like, it must be big. Yeah, he's here. Yeah, because he charges a lot of money. It ain't like he's cheap. No, no, he's doing well. I'm surprised he don't have a one man show yet. Like. Yeah, that was just the Ready to Rumble show. Yeah, the Ready to Rumble show like on Broadway. Um, Jeffrey, you were bringing up some things that are going on, too. I, have, uh, I saw your last comment. When's your next one due out? Monday? Comes out every Monday, yeah, yeah, which is cool. So I have a bunch of stuff to put in this week. Uh, Give us cool like a things. little sweet taste. Like what's coming up that you oh, know man. we're going to want to read? It's hard for me to remember because you write it all down like in a little notebook that I you carry keep a little book. Bo- <laughs> yeah, comedy, in case you forget. <laughs> in case I forget that yeah. it's funny stuff. Yeah, I mean, like last night, you know, um, TJ gave me some cool stuff. He's working on a new movie that a lot of people don't know about called The Nihilist, and I don't even know what that meant. And he l- started to laugh because I said, "What's it about?" And he said, "Exactly." that's good he's he's just a funny dude man he comes on stage you know he's got this signature look he wears like a suit and a vest and a tie but his shirt's out of his pants and he has a a bottle of water jammed in his back pocket (laughs) like in a suit he's just a funny dude man he's got he's one of those very unique guys that has such a unique comedy persona and he's just so smart. He goes off into some things like it's hard to even follow sometimes. And his Not sister like opened the dumb for shit we do around here, right? Is that what you're saying, Jeffrey? Wow. No, no, no. I just dumb, you know. <laughs> yeah. We're just like dick, fart, <laughs> asshole. And he has a sister. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Morgan Miller. Yeah. I didn't know it was his sister. She opened the show. She was like the MC for the show. And then, do you know her? Did you ever seen her on before? I had only seen her once. I think she did uh, the Comedy Juice show. Uh-huh. So she hosted, and she talked about being into boys and girls, and had one of her girlfriends perform also. And uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting so show. Is their family, and then uh, and then Hannibal, and then there was somebody else also from Chicago um, that I'm blanking on. Did everybody go out for deep really dish afterwards? Oh, you Keep know it. You know, going. come on, look, you know it. That's my weakness. <laughs> I haven't had that pizza in so long. Oh God, oh God, I would kill for a slice of pizza. Have your spinach and some walnuts. No, I know, and it's just so not taste like Cinnabon. I'm sorry. <laughs> Raisins and Cinnabon are two different. I don't know who, what person enjoys working. I just want to know what person actually gets physical enjoyment out of going. You're like, yeah, we did that. No, weights are heavy as shit. I'm they sorry. Are. And treadmills make you tired, and I feel weird working and not getting paid afterwards. I feel like I should get a paycheck after I just sweated for five hours. It just, uh, it just. Uh. Well, see, I won't even help my dad move the couch, so I can't. You know, I'm not going to purposely pick up weights that don't even see, need to be picked oh. up. Yeah, it's weird. Weights. I mean, the whole thing. Because first of all, if you really want a good workout, you don't use weights. You use fucking furniture. That's hard to lift, right? Well, weights are too easy. They're balanced. I think I'm gonna get kicked out if I just handles. go to Renaissance and start moving shit around. They're <laughs> 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 like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> you know, pass me that the best over there. Go for the quads and the uh, biceps. Hold on, Rip. Let's see if if we can do it a little better this time. Uh oh, he's geared up. Okay. He's in studio. He's Red Martin. You can see him on Wild and Out on M 
MTV2, MTV2 Talented. Plus, it's uh, he's going to be on Nick Cannon Presents the Comedians of Wild and Out starting in January. He just taped an episode of Nurse Jackie. Call a doctor because your sides are going to be hurting from laughing, Nurse Jackie. It's Rip Michaels. In the house. That was hot. The dog on. He had like the, uh, the yeah. ad type. The whole flow. thing. Good. He had like a little, like a Chelsea type twang yeah. to it. It was like, hey, it's it, amazing. You're going to love it. It definitely awesome. went up a level. Yeah, sure. yeah it, was it just funny. still doesn't work for me. No, it just you need still, more? You need more? Yeah, I think we need more. more the next would, time more we would be appropriate. More? I would love build. some fireworks. Oh, wow. Okay. Dancing girls. Yeah, a plane came over, pulling one of those I know, right? He was just released from being 12 years of a slave. <laughs> Dark Vader is his father. Like, that's That was funny. I thought it was good. I thought it was exceptionally good. It's better. Sure, it's way it's better. Because that, that is a big deal. That's the first yeah. time MTV Two or MTV Period has le- uh, actually showed live stand up on it. They've never had stand up. Is that right? Yeah, first time stand up has ever been on the channel. They've, um, you know, they've never had that. They've done all kind of sketches. They've done Jackass. They've done Punk. They've done all kind of things, but never had just straight stand up on it. So I think that's gonna be big. I had no idea that. Mm-hmm. Where is this? I didn't... MTV. Oh, oh really? Too, yeah. Wow, I didn't yeah. know Nick Cannon, uh, he chose cer- certain comedians and he gave them half an hour specials. Cool. So it's a half an hour special that's coming on MTV too. That yeah. show, Wild and Out, seems like a lot of pressure when you're, when you're competing against another team to be funny. Do you feel the pressure when you're on the show? It is the funniest thing I've ever done because I went to UCB. I studied with them. I graduated from that. And I, did, I also did a couple courses at the Groundlings and I just think that it's easy. It was the funnest, easiest thing because it's such a... Nick Cannon has such a relaxed type atmosphere and he wants jokes like he really wants jokes he wants it to be bigger and better so he kind of allows you to do crazy stuff like he allowed me to do crazy stuff like i brought brandon t jackson out because brandon t jackson and, and bow wow was the guest and i knew that they had a movie together so i just brought him out of the crowd out of nowhere and no one knew what the hell was happening it was just like mm-hmm. why is brandon t jackson jumping on stage and he did the speech on a lottery ticket <laughs> then i brought in a midget dressed like nick cannon it came out it was just doing all kind of crazy stuff and then i i took uh haitian powder and blew it on timothy legato he was just let me do <laughs> all the crazy stuff and every time I thought I was going to get fired it was like no they wanted to fire me but Nick was like keep it up everyone else hates yeah. you but I love it I love it so that's it very cool that they give you the freedom open platform that you would never get in a, on anything else but you see improv is very important for a background like that more so than stand up because it's a hard show to do it's like prevents the show set list you don't know what you get you don't have a chance to prepare right you don't know ahead of time what no. you're going to do right no. do you like the improv Jeffrey could you do set list I've, no I, well, I'd be afraid to do set list. Yeah. Um, I've I've studied improv, um, not at length, but I've done classes there. It's really hard, man. And you know what? I admire people who do it. It's not my favorite thing. A lot of times it falls flat. When it's funny, it's hysterical. But it's a true test of how fast you can think. It's really amazing. And on a show like Wild and Out, I mean, it's I think it's imperative. You you have to have that kind of background. Yeah, it's, it, it, but it helps to... Well, I noticed that improv, you have to find a moment, like you said, it goes flat sometimes. Mm-hmm. My biggest problem with improv is like I'm always trying to make the joke immediately, like make people laugh immediately. And they're just like, <laughs> stop doing that. Let the funny happen. I was like, well, it's not happening. No one's saying anything. No one's saying anything. Yeah, you, you've got a stand-ups here. Yeah, you I was like, I mean? uh, why is no one saying anything? But I'm also on a show, according to him or her, it comes on Centric and BET. Um, that's kind of a... It's like a guy... It's like if you took guy code and girl code and mixed it together. Uh-huh. So it's back and forth. Um, free from 106 and Park 
Clark is the host and Brian Hooks from a lot of movies. It's a great show as well. My girl Vanda yeah. Carlos on that yes, show. Yes, she right? is. Yes, she yeah, is. It's a great show. And it's show. improv. They just pretty much tell you a subject and they just throw the camera in front of you and you really get to really just go and cut loose and just say Va- whatever. Vaughn's been doing improv for a long time too, right? Yeah. yeah. And she, she does something that's so difficult. She has a musical improv group, which is crazy. They make uh, up songs on the spot. Yes. Vaughn is very talented. Her husband was so talented too. She was Patrice, always with oh us. Yeah. Oh, big, huge fan. Patrice of was amazing, unbelievable. As a matter of fact, you know, I ran into last night Harris Stanton, who uh, was in the accident with Tracy, and mm. thank God he's doing well. He's he's in rehab. He can't perform yet. He's still emotionally really upset, but he hangs out at the clubs. And I ran into him last night, and it was so good to see him <clears throat> smiling and being himself. You know, and we were talking about Patrice because he he. Uh, at Patrice's last uh, thing that he taped, Elephant in the Room, Harris was his opening act. And he was there with Patrice's mom and all. They were very close. Mm. So it was just good to see him, man, because I hadn't seen him since the accident. Well, there was uh, a thing in the paper yesterday where Tracy's lawyer said he might never He might never perform, perform again. again. How sad yeah. is that, man? That's crazy. And I'm just happy he made it out. Yeah, was Walmart a accident. fucking blamed him. For not wearing seatbelts. Isn't that insane? It was really They needed an out. They were trying to get first, some kind they of start out saying they'll take full responsibility if it's proven that their driver was at fault. They're willing to take full responsibility. And now they changed the whole thing. And now they're trying to blame the people Because apparently for not the driver was asleep, right? He just... Yeah. Yeah. The driver slept. had been up for over 24, 24 hours. hours. Long, here's, yeah. here's what Walmart did. Before the guy started his shift, he had to drive 700 miles. Before he started work for wow. Walmart. Wow. Before he got behind the wheel of that truck. That's crazy. Well, why did he have to drive 700 miles? Because that's where the job was and to uh, compared load. to where he lived. To okay. pick up the load. You got to go pick up the load first. You don't get paid to, yeah. to, the, to pick up the load. My father okay. was driving. You have to pick up the load and then you get paid for your mileage from picking up the load. Can you imagine having to drive that far to do a gig? <laughs> I've driven everywhere. I've yeah. done it all. Yeah. Live down. Car, please. I've walked yeah. all over Brooklyn, Staten Island to do gigs. Like, that's, oh, all day. For, I've done 700 miles just for $100. And I was like, this was stupid. I'm down $20. This, I'm never going to make Tobacco Murphy status like this. I owe money. <laughs> but yeah. That's dedication. Yeah, just, it's, it's just a fun road to be able to do what you want. Sure. To be able to be actually do what you enjoy is just a, it's a huge blessing to me. It's just a huge blessing. I'm glad you're having fun with it, though, man. I actually Some people am. don't. You know what I mean? They don't have fun with the journey. Well, it's been a fun journey because I've got to... Like, I write for Brandon C. Jackson. I wrote an hour for Anthony Anderson. I wrote for a lot of comics, and it's just yeah. been fun. Like, I love comedy. Like, it's just... I write for a lot of comics that don't want me mentioning I write their stuff, but you yeah, see... Yeah, that's, like, that's true, too. <laughs> you always have to ask permission. Is it cool if I say... That I wrote for you because a lot of comics get... Did anybody turn you down that. before Jeffrey and say, don't ever bring up... Did I give you $25 a good joke? Nobody that comes to mind, but I always asked. Yeah. I always had to ask before because someone once taught me that early on, that if you that it, it looks like you're trying to get attention for yourself by saying, oh, I wrote that person's act. Because no, no writer writes every joke that a comic does. Right. You contribute material. Mm-hmm. They got their own stuff. They may work with other writers. You don't want to say, oh, I write for so-and-so, making it look like you wrote the, all their stuff. So I would always ask permission. And everyone said yes that I remember. I mostly get premise writing jobs where somebody comes in and be like, I want to do something with my mother. And I'm like, 
Is there more to that? <laughs> I'm like, was she abusive? Is there yeah. anything else you could tell me besides so I want to do something with my mother? You start just sucking material out of them. Like, I'm like, tell me something. Like, yeah. you just email yeah. me. Like, I want to do something about my mother and my father is from Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> I need it to be 15 minutes. I'm like, yeah. uh, I don't know anything about you. So you're trying to Google <laughs> stuff and you're like getting corresponding emails and they're like, just finish it. I need it by tomorrow. Yeah. And then you're sitting on stage with them while they're trying to do the material and they're going through it for their iPad. As <laughs> Once trying comments, to go over the rhythm the rhythm is hardest part getting someone to catch on to the rhythm of yes it. right because a lot of times the, the rhythm makes the joke a lot of jokes are made on the rhythm or the slowness of it or the the inflections of your voice or you know different, which, different sure. action words, words which is why black comics are very often so much funnier than white comics is the inflection that's racial the delivery that's is totally, it's totally racial but it's reverse are, are, racial I'm a reverse racist <laughs> <laughs> if it was February that would have been perfect so what you're saying is black people talk funny let's laugh at that no, the, when com when comics come out on stage, sometimes they don't even have to have jokes. People are laughing already. The physicality of the mm -hmm. act is very important in comedy. And are you watching tap dancing or? No. <laughs> 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 that boy, come out there and talk. Look at JB Smooth when he comes out. He's so great. Well, you know, he was a very dancer. Angry. But you JB, know? he told me he started out as a hip hop dancer. You know what I mean? Like, if if you, when you just say JB, I, I want to start laughing because I think of him. So physical. But I He's think hysterical. that he had to. Also get to that point. The, the, that's a learned thing as well to be that kind of physical. Now nah, he was always like Jay. He, he was, was a dancer, man. He was like a hip hop dancer. He started out in a two man group called Smooth and Groove. <laughs> Which <laughs> one was he? Told me that story. <laughs> <laughs> he was Groove, know, right? and he changed it to Smooth later on. But he, so he's, his physicality comes from his, his, you know, his background in dancing. I mean, I just love all the forms of comedy, the satire. I love them all, mm -hmm. like the, the sarcasm, the irony. I like every form. It's cool to uh, participate in all the forms because some people write in different forms. Like, I think it's all. I appreciate all of them. Yeah. I appreciate every single one of them. But when a comic is more advanced, they know what topics to tell you to write about. As opposed to that vagueness that you were saying that people tell they you. Just, Once a comic you, some people treat you like the higher up you go. Like I, I wrote for um, Cedric um, in a show called, uh, it's coming out on CW, it's called uh, the CW Cedric's Barber Challenge. And they just be throwing, this is, this is it, this is what it is. Yeah. There's nothing to it. And it's just like, okay, you have this long list of stuff, to, and you have nothing, and then you write 12 pages and you turn it in, and then you're like way off base. And you're like, oh... He was a helicopter pilot. So all this stuff about sanitation goes in the trash. This is shit. <laughs> you told me that in the beginning, but yeah, some people yeah. Are just like do it. Like you're like a receptionist. And some people are, they want to get their story out. They want, and they have a, you know, a setup and they want to get this out, like, uh, and tell what happened and just want to make it funny. Those are the easiest ones to do to add punches to, like he was saying. Those are the fun ones. Because it's just like a punch or a tag or, you know. But when you got to actually open and close the joke and develop a storyline, it's a little longer. It's tough. And the most of the stuff that you wrote were just straight jokes, right? Because um, they were. Well, you the... get a premise first. Yeah. Like somebody would say, well, write jokes about that. And, you know, they're mostly one liners, not, but, not yeah. observational humor. Observational humor comes more from the. It's, it's more personal. It comes from the person's mind. You know, it's easier to write one liners for people if they have a premise that they like. But if you were writing and, let's say, Jerry Seinfeld called you up and said, I need five minutes, yeah. would you start thinking like, oh, I got to write some jokes? Would you try to have his voice? Yes, I would try to have to. Oh, you have yeah. to. You got to write in that person's voice. Otherwise, it's, it's not going to work. What's with meatballs? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're meat and they're more. <laughs> 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 That's it. I would listen to tapes of the person that I was going to write for. I would ask them, for, you know, if they had something in mind that they want, like... A direction to go in but I would immerse myself in their tapes so that I would think the way they thought you have to hear their voice in your head when you're writing mm-hmm 
because theoretically one comic shouldn't be able to do another comic's jokes they should be that personal yeah right you well, agree some just do ju- just generic topical things because right. like, they don't want to expose themselves and they don't want to just you know say anything about their actual person or their family they want to keep that private and just want to use their imagination which is fine yeah which is fine I think the hardest thing I had to do was I, I'm not going to say his name but I wrote for a member of the Wu-Tang is now doing comedy well, forget it this is Raw Dog let's just go talk about it um, anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway he wants to do anyway he was a member of Wu-Tang Clan and uh, he uh, shot he was high and he shot his penis off and jumped off a roof if you you can Google it. <laughs> oh, I remember so hearing he was, that. Yeah, yeah, so he wants me to do this thing about what happened. So I'm sitting there like, yeah, I want to talk about how I threw my he penis lived? off the roof. Yeah, he lived and everything. Yeah, he lived. And so I'm sitting on the phone with them and a couple of other members are just trying to get his story out and he's going to premiere it at uh, the Laugh Factor in, in L.A. And I'm just like, yeah, this is really dark. I don't know how the hell. I don't know where you're going. <laughs> so it's weird saying, so when she threw your dick, then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Someone catch you? Did a bird grab it? What, did, what happened? Yeah, right. Rep, it was great meeting you, man. Man. Thank you very much. I'm 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 blessed to be up here. Thank you very much. Uh, but hopefully, right now, you're gonna get the best outro of all time. I'm feeling good about it. Let's see what he's got. Let's get ready to rumble. It's <laughs> <laughs> Rip Michaels. You can see him. I'm wild. MTV2, the first man to bring comedy to MTV2. He's the Neil Armstrong of comedy if MTV2 was the moon. You can see him in January on Nick Cannon presents the comedians of Wild and Out. This man's career is being shot out of a cannon. He's on BET Centric with him and her. Stars presents Deadbeats on Hulu. Nurse Jackie and get ready to see him steal the movie right out of Spike Lee's hands. Lucky guy. Be watching for that on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Rip Michaels. That was amazing. Yes. I don't care. I There's no good up a left. That was amazing. There's the cannon going that was, on. That was Even Rod is applauding. Yeah. Yes. Nick Cannon somewhere like, that is awesome. <laughs> Nick Cannon and Brandy Jackson's like, yes, yes. This, that was awesome. That was absolutely hats off. It was good to see you. Good to see you, Jeffrey. Thanks, Rod. Always good to be with you guys. And uh, we'll, we're taking off tomorrow, Chris, so... You can get some rest. Yeah, everybody get well. Is that for yeah. Yom everybody Kippur? Well. Yes, it's Yom, Kippur. Yom Kippur. It's perfect. We're chosen. We're, We're chosen. all celebrating together. It's so weird that y'all, 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 don't, y'all are sick, but his chest is out and he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what about tomorrow? His whole chest is out. <laughs> Jeffrey Gurian, ComedyMattersTV.com, and on YouTube, the Gurian News Network. We'll see you guys later. And that's the end of my show. Yonk. Satellite's gone way up to Mars Soon it'll be filled with park and cars I watched it for a little while I love to watch things on TV With Harry, Mark, and John Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday to Thursday With Harry, Mark, and John You know what you've been doing? You've been listening to The Ron and Fez Show 
It's now over. But don't worry, you can listen again and again on Sirius XM On Demand. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand. Listen to Ron and Fez whenever you want. Go to SiriusXM.com slash On Demand.